Having clinched their first playoff berth since 2007, the Princeton Vikings will look to make it three wins in a row heading into the playoffs and gain a lot of momentum as they take on the Mason Comets on senior night tonight from Pat Mancuso Field in Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium. Good evening, everybody. I'm Richard Skinner with producer-engineer Zach Waddell. Princeton comes in tonight with a record of six wins and three losses. The last two wins, the ones that clinched that first playoff birthday, big win over Oak Hills. They got to a running clock in last week's 41-35 decision over Lakota West. That has this team at 6-3 and three overall heading into tonight, 4-3 and three in the Greater Miami Conference. And most importantly, they sit at number six in the Harbin ratings. They cannot host a playoff game, and they will not be bounced from the playoffs. As I've mentioned, they've already clinched a playoff berth. At the very worst, they probably slide to a number seven with a loss, but with a win, they certainly firm up the sixth spot in the playoff circumstance. Mason, on the other hand, fighting for a playoff berth. Mason comes into tonight with a record of four and five overall, four and three in the league, but sits at number nine in the Harbins and needs a win tonight and some help to get in. Those Harbins in Division I Region 4 look like this. Fairfield sits at number one. Elder tonight heading into tonight number two. St. X is number three. Coleraine is number four. That can get jumbled one through four, but those four teams will all be one through four in some order. They'll all host a first-round playoff game. Dakota West sits at number five. Princeton number six. Hamilton at number seven. And the Big Blue control their own destiny. They win tonight. They are in no matter what. They could even leapfrog Princeton in the standings, and they play at Lakota East. Sitting at number eight, heading into tonight, it is Sycamore with Mason sitting at number nine. Sycamore tonight is at Oak Hills. They'll get a win in all likelihood there. Oak Hills winless on the year, but Sycamore probably going to need a little bit of help along the way as well, especially if Mason were to win. Mason comes into tonight having won four of its last six games after starting the year 0-3, and they were outscored in those first three games 85-21, to losing to Springboro, which has been ranked at times in the state polls, LaSalle, and then Lakota East. But then beat Oak Hills, beat Sycamore, beat Hamilton, and their only two losses came 14-6 Lakota West and then 33-28 at Coleraine, a game in which Mason led with just over four minutes to go before letting that lead slip away and falling 33-28. And last week, the Comets bounced back with a 41-22 victory. So a lot on the line, 25 seniors for Princeton participating in their last football game at home because that playoff game will be on the road next week no matter what. So they're looking to get out of this a win Win number three in a row and headed to the playoffs on a very high note where Mason, it needs to win, needs a little help in all likelihood to get in. So a lot on the line on this final Friday night of the regular season of Ohio High School football. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll hear from the superintendent schools here at Princeton. Tom Burton with Rob Evil on our weekly superintendent podcast and kickoff is right around the corner. It's Princeton and Mason. And this is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media powered by Sidearm Sports. Getting answers, finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action, getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. Welcome into the studios of ESP Media. I'm Rob Ebel with First and Ten with the Superintendent Tom Burton. Every Friday we huddle up with Tom on the latest with Princeton Schools. A little chilly today, Tom. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a true fall day. True fall day. I know uh, you are working very hard um, with uh, with the levy upcoming levy next week. Uh, we're here to talk Princeton football, Princeton schools. Uh, a lot of great things going on. The football team clinched uh, a spot in the playoffs for the first time since 2007, which we'll talk about with a big win over Lakota West, 41-35. But Let's talk about the most important thing with Princeton City Schools right now, and I know you've been canvassing the community 
Uh, I had the pleasure of being with you a couple times uh, on your tour, if you will. And, uh, boy, let's talk about all the great things uh, that you're you're communicating to your constituents uh, around Princeton City Schools. Sure. Thanks, Rob. You know, first and foremost, I, I, I really appreciate your support. I know you kind of came in uh, a little bit late in the game through no fault of your own, but being willing to help and uh, really sincerely appreciate that. Uh, over the, well, I'm going to say 18 months, but um, specifically the last maybe nine months, nine and a half months, we've given well over 100 community conversations to really help the community make informed decisions about what does this levy actually mean. We initially had it on the ballot in August. We got great community support, listening to the community, and then some other positive things happened as well, which is why we pulled the ballot off in August and put it back on in, in November, we're able to actually reduce the millage. Uh, when I first spoke to the community, I said, we're only asking for what we need, which is 100% true. Uh, so when we look at a 6.99 mil levy in August, there were a couple things that happened. You know, great community support, really looking at things a little bit differently, but we had representatives Cup and Patterson introduced what was called a fair funding bill, which is on June 28th. And this is long after the board had to make a decision on this August election. Once we saw that, we're like, if this actually comes to fruition, we will save two mills. So around a little bit over $3 million, if we are able to get the funding, they say we will. So in that case, we wouldn't need the 6.99 mill levy. So we reduced the millage. We were able to restructure some contracts to get it to where we need a 4.25 mil levy. It is absolutely critical. And the number one question we hear over and over is, what is this actually going to cost me? And so levies across the state consistently talk about what is it going to cost a homeowner per month per $100,000. So for our levy, it's $12.40 per month per $100,000 house. So it works out for a year about $148 we, per $100,000 home, or valuation, I should say. Okay. We desperately need it to protect and preserve what we have going on right now and allowing us to really continue with our robust academic achievement plan, which is going to drive instruction and, more, and ultimately drive student learning up. The, uh, the thing that really touched me, and, and I'm sure you had to appreciate, you mentioned over 100 um, community meetings uh, relative to the levy. The participation, <clears throat> excuse me, in these meetings, uh, whether it was 17 people or 50 people, that had to be, uh, what's the right word? I guess uh, heartwarming that the community cares so much that they had questions that they took the time to come out and speak with you. Absolutely. And the thing is that, you know, a lot of people talk about being open and transparent. And first of all, what we needed to do was provide information. And usually it's to listen, and we've done that before as well. But specifically in these community conversations, we talk first, and then we spend an enormous amount of time listening and gaining information. Some of the, some of the concerns of the residents, because what we found is, in our maybe 15 or 20 or 30-minute presentation, we answer a lot of the questions that the residents would have. And, you know, it's a little bit shocking for some of the residents when they hear 
that since 2011 we've grown over 925 students. And back then they had more they had more money, more staff, and fewer students than what we have right now. Correct. So this is absolutely a critical need levy. This is something that must pass to really avoid, uh, I would say, drastic cuts that would impact student learning. The um, Dr. Mary Phillips, Trisha Roddy, yourself, I will tell you from watching behind the scenes, you take these questions very serious, and and you really investigate answers and and to get back to the people. It's important to you, and that you know I've been behind the scenes. I've seen it. This means a lot to you, right, Tom? Oh, it absolutely does. And you know, some of the times, you know, the way maybe people ask questions kind of, you know put people in a bad place, but ultimately it's why people are asking the questions. And you have to really listen sometimes intently, not for the tone, but for the words. Right. Whether that's in person or on social media. So ultimately, we've taken a list of multiple questions that we received during our community conversations, specific emails we've had from residents, and we've answered those. And we're going to put out a video hopefully tomorrow, if not Sunday, to really kind of have residents understand a little bit more about the Tuesday, November 5th election. But Chris Petter, also our district treasurer, has been with us throughout the whole entire process, uh, with the exception of maybe a couple times when there were commitments where she couldn't get out of. And there were a couple times I had commitments I couldn't get out of, and Chris and Tricia and Mary Phillips would cover So it's really been a great team effort and really appreciate the support of not only them, but also the open and honest dialogue we've had with the community. There's a a great video uh, that you you and your group put together on uh, on YouTube, and you can get this information, princetonschools.net. On the very far right, click on Levy Information. It answers a lot of questions. There's a great video. Uh, that Tom speaks of the purpose of the levy. And uh, I encourage you, if you have any questions, uh, go to princetonschools.net and then click on the levy information tab on the far right. Well, thanks, Robin. You know, one of the other things that's up there right now is there's a little confusion with the ballot language. All the levies read the same way. It could be a little bit misleading. So what I encourage everybody to do is actually whatever county you live in, whether it's Hamilton, Butler, or Warren County, go to the board of elections, go to the county auditor site, and you will be able to find information. You're going to plug in your specific information, and then you will be able to see exactly what this levy is going to cost you individually. That's the cleanest way of doing it. And for those that may have questions with how did the district come up with $12.40 per month per $100,000 valuation, it was really simple. Dusty Rhodes, county auditor, provided us with a certification of how many what how many mills we had, which is four point two five, how much money we were gonna raise, which is six point five million dollars, and what it was gonna cost per year per hundred thousand dollar home, and we simply just divided that number by twelve. And that's again consistently across the state. That's what districts do. Yeah, that's great. Now if anybody over the weekend uh, sits down at their computer and has any questions, how can they reach you or anybody at Princeton City Schools to uh, maybe get a question answered uh, relative to their levy question? Yeah, they can call me on my cell phone, 440-708-4800. Don't mind that at all. And then 
uh, if people would prefer to communicate via email, it's just tburton at vikingmail.org. And you got to give me sometimes a little bit of time to get back, but if it's within, if it's not within 48 hours, then I would just encourage people to send me a tax call or just a reminder email. Great. Well, that's uh, all great stuff, uh, Tom, on the uh, levy next week and uh, vote for Princeton City Schools. Let's uh, talk about the big game tonight. Uh, football weather, the Mason Comets come over for the Week 10 struggle. Uh, they come in 4-5 uh, and five as the 9 seed. Um, they beat Middletown 41-21 last week. Uh, the Vikings, as I mentioned at the opening, clinched their first playoffs uh, spot since 2007. Uh, just at six and three, how exciting is it to walk around school right now, Tom, with the, the football team just riding high and going to be in the playoffs? Yeah, and you, you know what, Rob? It's not just the football team; it's the entire community, entire school, the entire community. We were very, very excited. Mike Daniels and his coaching staff—they've done a phenomenal job. They've had to battle through some things, but have done so. Have kept the focus. You know, it would have been easy to throw the towel in a couple different times, but that's not who Mike is, and that's not who his coaching staff is. And more importantly, that's not who our kids are. Right. And they fight hard all the time. And even, you know, we had a big lead last Friday, 34-10, and uh, Lakota West made a, made a push and fought hard and we dug hard. And all these little battles that we've had to win, all the little things that we've had to overcome, simply just made us stronger. And getting in the playoffs is great. We'll see what happens. Mason's coming in tonight highly motivated to win. We're highly motivated to defend our home turf and win and protect our seed. So, you know, we're ready, and uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, if we can uh, get a victory tonight, uh, if everything falls right, we can move up, uh, I think, as high as a five seed, which would be fantastic uh, fast, uh, Fantastic for the Vikings. And what's even better that we're going to playoffs, we get to do another show next week, Tom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Robin, and, uh, today I'm going to extend this invitation to you. and not sure if you know about this yet, but uh, Paris Johnson is going to play in the All-American Bowl. And today he's actually going to get his jersey in that and officially designated a high school All-American. And while he's phenomenal on the football field, and he is, he's <laughs> tremendous to watch, who he is as a person That's outstanding. He is a young man with integrity, with leadership, with character, takes care of business, really pulling people, just a great spokesman in general for what it means to be a young man and what it means to carry yourself high. He is just amazing. So we're really excited about that. That's Rob and I'll text you with some more information. Yeah, it's, uh, I believe it's January 5th at the Alamo Bowl. Uh, on NBC, so it's big time stuff, and uh, it's uh, congratulations to uh, Paris and uh, great recognition and uh, for him. And then let's go out and get a W so we can uh, talk next week. And uh, uh, big game tonight against the Comets. I think you want to finish your regular season out strong and and go seven and three and uh, uh, be ready for Week Eleven. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're like I said. You know, we're very excited, and uh, the kids have really done a great job. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the football program, you have cheerleaders that are involved, you have drill team, you have the marching band, and they all support each other. It's really an unbelievable relationship in the sea. And, again, we've had a great student section led by senior leaders.
leadership, and it really has been a wonderful season, and not without some bumps. Right. But again, I think sometimes those little bumps make you stronger, and I think that's very much the case with this year's Vikings. The epitome to me, uh, the, the epitome of a team sport is high school football. Well, you need each other, and you have to pick each other up and stay strong and together. Okay, well, coming up next is the live play-by-play from Richard Skinner. If you do not have tickets, you can listen to us on vikenation.org or get tickets at the gate uh, to take on the uh, Mason Comets and the Princeton Vikings 7 p.m. at Viking Stadium, jakesweeney.com, and Pat Mancuso Field. Tom, thank you for your time as always, and we get the pleasure of uh, doing this again next week with Week 11. So best of luck to the Vikings tonight. Uh, Thanks, Rob, and as always, go Vikes. Thank you very much. This is Jerry Snodgrass, Executive Director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. One of my long-standing goals is to help people understand that high school sports are about so much more than wins and losses. The OHSAA promotes education-based athletics, where sports are an extension of the classroom. Our schools all want to win. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it's all about sportsmanship, leadership, and making certain that academics are a priority. Thank you for your support of high school sports in Ohio. Back here at Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium, Richard Skinner and our producer engineer Zach Waddell as Princeton gets set to take on Mason. Both teams are already on the field. Princeton in road white uniforms, white tops and bottoms with green numerals trimmed in a little bit of black and green lettering on the front. The white helmet with the big block M in green trimmed in black on the helmet. Princeton tonight in all gray tops and bottoms with red numerals, red lettering trimmed in white. The red helmet with the Viking logo on the side of each in white. And we're about set to go. Mason has won the toss and it will receive the comments on the season offensively, averaging 20.8 points per game on the season. They've had a hard time running the football, just 109.4 yards per game and 3.5 yards per carry. But they lead the GMC in passing at 158.6 yards per game, and they've completed 65.5% of their passes. George Consis, longtime head coach at different schools in the Cincinnati area, the passing game coordinator for this team. He has really groomed Colin Brown, the senior quarterback, completing 66.3% of his passes for 1,387 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. The Princeton defense, though, against the pass, one of the stingiest in the GMC, 94.7 yards per game. Teams completing less than 40% of their passes on this Princeton defense. So kind of a battle of wills between their strengths, really, between each team on the offense for Mason throwing the football and for Princeton defensively defending it. And we'll look at the other side of the football when Princeton has it. And we'll see who quarterbacks tonight. Dorian Durham has done a great job the last two games quarterbacking Princeton. Over those two games, he came in after the first series against Oak Hills, went 5 of 7 for 193 yards and two touchdowns. And last week in that win over Lakota West that clinched the playoff berth, he was 9 of 17 for 228, four touchdowns and two interceptions. He's done just a great job the last couple of weeks. Ting it up, Princeton going right to left. To start this opening quarter, whatever listening device you're listening to us on, be it your phone, iPad, computer, tablet, whatever it may be, it is a cold night, but not brutally cold. And I say that as we broadcast outside. That's where our perch is this year at Princeton. Very little wind to speak of. The American flag at half staff off to our right 
is not been, not really blowing. So kind of a decent night for football, sweat temperature-wise, as Cobbs moves on it, and he kicks a very short kick to the far side of the field. It's going to be fielded over there by Jackson Orlando. Goes up the left hash mark across the 30 to the 35 and shoved out of bounds across the 35 to about the 38-yard line, and that is where Mason will start first and 10 offensively. The quarterback, Colin Brown, as I mentioned, his leading receivers on the year. Alec Dardis, 35 catches, 399 and four touchdowns. Jack Cooper, 29 for 380 and five. And then Brett Wexel, Wexelblatt, 26 for 320 and two touchdowns. So he spreads it around primarily to three receivers. Nick Molinari, tight end, has 11 for 228. Princeton tonight without senior starting the cornerback. Jaden Scarborough got hurt in last week's game, so that's certainly a blow to this secondary, but it's a good secondary with great depth. Caleb Crawford will be in there for him. Here's a quarterback drawn first down, and Brown's got running room across the 40, and he's going to be brought down to the 43-yard line. Very nice open field tackle by Kevin Suttles from the safety spot, but not before the quarterback, Brown. Picked up about eight yards to the 43. They marked him out initially on the kickoff return, by the way, at the 35-yard line. It is a clear night, not a cloud in the sky as the sun was setting, still setting a little bit off to our right. Kind of a brilliant night for high school football in week 10, the final one of the regular season. Mason needs a win and help, and Princeton already in, but looking to continue some momentum to win three in a row. Second and two from the shotgun. Here's a fake, here's a pass across the middle. It's tipped and incomplete, and getting up, John Harris knocked it away as he tried to hit a quick crossing route to Ryan Kaplinger. Or excuse me, tried to hit the crossing route instead to Brett Wexelblatt. John Harris got a hand on it to knock it away incomplete. It'll be third and two, Mason from its own 43-yard line in the opening series of the game. Long time in the huddle. Play clock is down to 20 seconds. They've not broken the huddle yet, and now they do. They actually had 12 in the huddle when they came out of it. They broke that huddle with 12 as one player ran to the sideline. Out of the shotgun. Out of the Wildcat, McCormick, the running back, going to take the snap as the Wildcat quarterback here on third and two. Takes the snap, trying to head off the left side, trying to get the corner across the 40-45. has the first down of more 50. Far sideline, runs over defender, out of bounds at the 44-yard line. That was the running back, Noel McCormick, out of the Wildcat. He ran over defender on the far side as he went out of bounds. They'll mark him out at the 45 in Princeton territory. And on third and two, a 13-yard pickup and a first down for Mason. Comets will operate on the hash mark to the left. That's the short side. The short side of the field will be that way. Coming out wide right by himself is Wexelblatt, Dardis, and Jack Cooper to the far side. Now Dardis comes in motion to the near side. Two receivers that way. Now here's Brown takes the snap, rolls right to throw. On the run, fires it. It's caught on a dive at the 43-yard line. Short gain to Wexelblatt. Gain of only a couple. He had to come back to catch that. Caught it on a dive, but did a good job to do so but only a pickup of two. So second and eight, Mason. They have flipped the side of the field. They operated on the hash mark to the left on the last play. This one all the way to the hash mark to the right. And those of you that are maybe used to seeing high or college fields, the high school field, much, much wider hash marks. They send three receivers to that open side. Cooper, Wexelblatt, and Dardis all go out that way. Now Dardis comes in motion to the right. Out of the shotgun. Brown awaits the shotgun snap, takes it. He's going to hand, no, he's going to fake a handoff, run to the right side, and just goes down very wisely because sizing him up was Elijah Eberhardt to put a big lick on him. And instead, Colin Brown, the quarterback, is going to lose a yard. So a loss of one, make it third and nine for Mason from the Princeton 44. Vikings showing a three-man front at the moment with Henry, Joshua Younger, and Harding, the three-down lineman. Jaheim Thomas is lining up as a stand-up end, if you will. 
And he usually rushes in these situations. Princeton sometimes will blitz out of this. They show a four-man front. Two receivers left, one to the right, off the hash mark to the right. Brown in the shotgun has McCormick to his right. Waits the snap, takes it. Drops to throw, looks left, now looks back over the middle, and now he's going to look into nowhere because he's going to go down back at the 45 in Princeton territory. Darian Henry, and Darian Henry and Jaheim Thomas got him back at the 46 is where they'll mark it. That's going to be a loss of 10. Well, they'll mark it at the 48, so maybe a loss of 8, but nonetheless, it'll be fourth down. It's going to force a punting situation for Mason is Darian Henry, the Ohio State-bound senior, playing his final home game tonight. He and Jaheim Thomas, who's heading to UC, the two Division I prospects or recruits, rather, combined on the sack. Mason lines up like they're going to go for it here, but I'm going to assume Brown's going to drop into punt formation or even punt from the formation he's in. It's fourth and 17 from the 48. Takes a snap, and he is going to punt it left-footed. It's going to back up the return man. Bowers back to the 15. Runs straight ahead across the 20. 25-30. Runs through a tackle at the 30. Bounces off a man. Tries to head up at the outside. Runs through one more and gets up to the 36-yard line. Quite a return for Leroy Bowers. And he gets Princeton very good field position and a little juice with that return. Vikings will start on their own 36 on their first possession. With 8.49 to go here in the opening quarter, let's see who opens up at quarterback. It looks like it will be Dorian Durham, and Thomas Boyd is going to be the running back. He's had a good stretch of football. Boyd in the last four games has run for 394 yards and seven touchdowns. Last two weeks, two victories against Oak Hills and Lakota West. He's rushed for, he rushed for 279 on 33 carries. Out of the pistol, Durham has Boyd directly behind him. One receiver each way, so they go with two tight ends on first down from the 35. Hand off Boyd, off right guard, get a good push, bounces to the outside, still on his feet, and then he's going to go down at about the 38-yard line. Doesn't have a lot of burst. He's got a lot of power. He bounced off some tacklers and tried to bounce it further outside, but could not get away as three different defenders were there to get him, including Michael McCalmont. McCalmont playing with his right hand with a cast on it. So gutting it out tonight, was in on that tackle, gain of three. They'll stay with the same set, receivers each way. Harris wide left, Burkhalter wide right, or actually flipped that the other way, excuse me. Boyd behind Durham, takes the handoff, runs straight ahead across the 40, lowers his head up to the 42 and maybe the 43 before again four or five white-shirted Comets defenders stopped him. There leading the charge was Nick Wadsworth, help from Jack Haglidge, Navy-bound linebacker. Give him a gain to the 42s where they'll officially mark it. So a pickup of four, and it's third and three Princeton on its opening series of the game after forcing Mason to punt the football away. Off the hash mark to the right, Burkhalter goes wide left. Wide right is Harris. Henry's a tight end right. Matthews, Tamir Matthews, a tight end left. Again, same set, pistol set. Durham turns, hands it off Boyd, trying to run right, runs through one tackle, can't run through the rest. He's going to be stopped short of the first down. Ran through Haglidge's tackle. But only got to about the 43 or so yard line before there to finally bring him down, or actually starting the charge to bring him down. There's a lot of people, Chase Vanelli, or Chase Vanell, excuse me, junior defensive back, made the stop, and Princeton's going to have to punt it away. They gave him no gain. Back in single safety for Mason to return the punt will be Nolan McCormick, and Tamir Matthews stands just inside his own 32 await the snap. Princeton goes three and out on his first series on three running plays to Thomas Boyd. Snap is a high one, but Matthews goes back and gets it and then punts it away. Nice high spiral. McCormick signals for a fair catch and takes it back on his own 25-yard line. Nice job by Tamir Matthews, who's only averaging 30 yards a punt on the year. He got that one away on a nice high spiraling punt that led to the fair catch. So second possession coming up for Mason. Opening quarter, no score, 6.47 to go. 
A lot on the line on this Friday night of high school football. Wynton Woods isn't playing in Division Two, and it's sweating things out depending on what happens in some games in Division Two Region Eight. Hamilton win and it's in. Sycamore a win and some help and it's in. But Mason a win and some help and it's in. West Claremont even tonight a win over Kings and some help. It would get in. First down snap, here's Brown, takes it, looks left to throw it, throws it out in the flat, caught at the 30, running far side 35 and pushed down at the 37 yard line. As flipping it out into the left flat area is the tight end Nick Molinari on the catch. And he's got a first down to the 37 and is there an injured player? I think there's an injured Princeton player ran into the, maybe the stick on the far side. Yeah, there's somebody down for Princeton. And he went crashing into that sideline, not sure who it is. He's got his helmet off at the moment as the trainers ran all the way across the field. It's right in front of the Mason bench, and the Mason assistant coaches were signaling right away for trainers to come over. They were very concerned immediately. So it is a first down on the catch to Molinari to the 37-yard line. Second possession for Mason in this football game. Not a huge crowd on hand tonight, but a decent turnout, especially on the Princeton side. Mason, the contingent, filing, still filing in, and honestly for a cool night. Not a bad turnout, all things considered. As they're still working on the Princeton player, and we still can't catch a number. There's four or five trainers around him. It looks like they're helping him to his feet, and they do at the moment, which is a good sign. Still have not picked up a number on who that is. As soon as we do, we'll pass it along. And whoever it is, they're going to have to help. That's Caleb Crawford, it looks like. If it is, that's going to be another corner that's going to be down for Princeton. They're already down, as I mentioned. They're down Jaden Scarborough, who got hurt last week. He's got his arm in a sling. He came out on senior night with his uniform on, but his arm in a sling. Crawford's not even come across the way. He's going to go towards the bench area on the Mason side, or else they're going to walk him to the locker room from that side. So Caleb Crawford is out at the moment. We'll see who comes in for him, as Mason will have it on its own 37. The secondary right now has Suttles. Elijah Eberhardt, MJ Horton's going to play the defensive back. So Horton's in there playing a safety spot at the moment. And they've got in at one of the corner spots, Jay Roberson, who's in there in place of the injured Scarborough. So MJ Horton in there. They move Suttles up a little bit. Here's a handoff straight ahead. McCormick, big hole, skips across the 45 to the 50 and spun down at the 46-yard line in Princeton territory by John Harris but not before ripping off a huge gainer. And Mason right back to the line of scrimmage, going with some tempo. Two receivers left, one to the right. Brown takes it, hands McCormick straight ahead, winds back to his right, running room across the 40, inside the 40, 35, and chopped down at the 33-yard line. MJ Horton doing a nice job to come up and make the tackle from the safety spot, but McCormick rips off a big gain to the 33, and back-to-back -back long runs, and Mason right back to the line. Here's a fake, Brown pulls it, trying to run right, and he's gonna get nowhere, maybe a yard as he go forward. Christian Kilgus Dixon, one of the linebackers, came up to drop him there. So a gain of a yard. Princeton trying to sub Paris Johnson coming in for Joshua Younger, trying to give him a blow. We started seeing Paris Johnson, the big offensive lineman who's heading to Ohio State, highly regarded, one of the most highly regarded offensive line recruits in the country. But we saw him the last last week playing some defense and being pretty effective. Gives him another good athlete. He's going to play right on the nose here. Second and nine, two receivers left, one to the right. There's a wing back to the right, Molinari. Now he offsets from his left to his right. Out of the gun, Brown takes the snap, drops the throw, throws it to the right flat, Molinari makes the catch. He's got some running room across the 25, gets banked at the 20, drags a tackler inside the 15 and down to the 10-yard line before Christian Kilgus-Dixon finally got him. It looked like a 
There was a block in the back as soon as he caught the football and no flag, and it's gonna be first and goal Mason at the Princeton 10 yard line, and they're right back to the line of scrimmage going with tempo again. Brown hands it off, running off left guard down to the seven yard line, and no further was Joe Longworth, who on the season is the third leading rusher with 200, second leading rusher with 211 yards. McCormick came in at 505 as the leader. So a gain of three as we get inside of five minutes, opening quarter, no score, but Mason knocking on the door, first, second and goal from the Princeton seven yard line. Now Mason spending a long time in the huddle here after playing with a lot of tempo. Cooper and Dardis come wide right. Actually, all three come that way. Three receivers right. McCormick to the left of Brown is in the shotgun. Now McCormick goes in motion left. Here's a dropping back to throw and in some trouble. Brown, he's sacked back at the 12-yard line. Leroy Bowers, game untouched. They motion the running back McCormick out to the left. He took a quick look that way. But Jay Roberson jumped him right away, so he had no chance to throw that ball. And by the time he finally decided to do something with it, Bowers came untouched and records the sack back to the 12-yard line. We're going to be third and goal, Mason. Off the hash mark to the right, Cooper goes wide left. They'll send two or three receivers and a bunch to the right. Molinari, the tight end, is almost on a wing. Third and goal from under center now, Brown. Takes the snap. He's going to roll bootleg to his left on the move. Dumps it off the flat. Caught by Molinari at the 7. To the 5, to the 4. Pylon goes in. Touchdown standing up. Little reverse bootleg going left by Colin Brown. Dumped it in the left flat to the tight end, Nick Molinari. And he walks in for the touchdown. And gives Mason a 6-0 lead as they march 75 yards. To go on top here in quarter number 1. to attempt the point after will be Brooks Curran, who's 23 of 25 on the year on extra points. He's 0 for 2 on field goals, so they've not asked him to do that a whole lot, and he hasn't made one, but he is 23 of 25 on extra points. Dardis will hold it. Lines are down. Snap is a good one. The hold is a good one, and the extra point on the way is high and true and through, and Mason on its second possession of the ball game is drawn first blood. It's Mason 7. Princeton nothing. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. At Robert Half, we know finding the right employees is a job in itself, and it's a job we love. You see, Robert Half isn't just a staffing firm. We're people. People who believe in finding the right people to fit your company's needs. Because employees who are a good fit are more productive, more engaged. Finding a great candidate isn't easy, but at Robert Half, we know it's possible. Robert Half, the experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Learn more at roberthalf.com slash radio. Well, a Mason team that had struggled running the football coming into tonight ripped off a couple of big runs on that drive. And then got a couple of big completions out in the flat to the tight end, Nick Molinari, including the last one on third and goal from the 12 for a 12-yard touchdown. And it's a 7-0 Mason lead. 3.52 to go opening quarter. Richard Skinner with our producer-engineer, Zach Waddell. Princeton about to get it back on the kickoff as Leroy Bowers far side. D'Angelo Foster near side. It'll be Kern to kick it away. Right-footed soccer-style kicker moves on the football. And gets away a nice high kick. That's going to go back towards the end zone. And Bowers watches it go over his head about five yards deep. And now the... Looked like a Princeton player knocked the kicker Curran down. Not sure what the purpose of that was. Lucky he didn't get flagged for that. Mike Daniels walking out there to say something to him, like trying to pick up a number on who that was. Pretty lucky because that was right in front of the official. That was Iren Love. 
but as it is, Princeton will start in zone 22nd possession for the Vikings, went three and out of their first possession. Now instead of the two tight end set, they come with the more spread set. The wide right in the slot, Jamar Matthews inside of Harris, Burke Calder wide left, now Boyd to the left of Durham in the shotgun. First down play, in motion comes Matthews coming to the left. They hand it off, no, fake handoff. Durham drops the throw, sets his feet. Going to throw deep for Burkhalter. Got him out there. He's got it to 40, 35, 30, foot race, 20, 15, 10, 5. Dorian Durham throws another laser. 80 yards to Sterling Burkhalter. He ran right by the corner. And Dorian Durham continues to make a huge difference in this offense. Ever since he took over for MJ Horton, that's his seventh touchdown pass in the last three games. I mean, the last two games, he, the last three games now, he has completed 15 passes for almost 500 yards, 495. And on to attempt the point after Michael Everson will try to tie things up. And just like that, on one play, Princeton has struck back to tie the score. Burkhalter ran right by the corner and was wide open. Snap is low and in some trouble. Durham, he's just going to throw it and incomplete. So Princeton fails on the extra point try on a low snap. Durham tried to do something with it. There was nothing to do with it. So Princeton does get on the board on the touchdown. But with 3.39 to go in the opening quarter, Mason still clings to a lead as the Comet 7, Vikings 6. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Abco Pavement Services, LLC, has been doing commercial asphalt, concrete, and ceiling work since 1962 in the Tri-State area. Our valued customers include Home Depot, United Dairy Farmers, C.B. Richard Ellis, Town Properties, and Fifth Third Bank, to name a few. We strive to provide professional service, communication, and project management for all of your commercial concrete and pavement maintenance needs. Go Abco Pavement Services. So Dorian Durham, 80 yards to Sterling Burkhalter. Unfortunately, the extra point try never got off the ground because it was a low snap. So Princeton trails 7-6, but kicking it away, it'll be Hayden Cobbs back deep. Albert Wiegestrock to the far side, and to the near side is Kobe Lewis. He kicked the first one, though, short to an up back. There's Cobbs, moves on the football, and he's going to drive this one deeper. Wiegestrock going to go back and take it on his 7. Runs across the 10, far side 15, now cuts back across the 20, and he's going to be brought down at the 25-yard line. Very good open field special teams tackle right there. I believe Roberson, and it was. He'll stay in to play corner. Again, Princeton now down two starting defensive backs. Caleb Crawford, who just got hurt on the last drive, and Jaden Scarborough, who's not available tonight after getting hurt last week and having his arm in a sling. And we saw MJ Horton on the last drive in there as a safety man. Let's see if he stays in. He does. Princeton will have Henry, Younger, Harding up front, Thomas, Kilgus, Dixon, Harris, Bowers, the linebackers, Roberson, Suttles, Horton and Scarborough are making Eberhardt the secondary. Out of the shotgun, two receivers left, one right. Here's a fake. Here's a throw in on a slant and broken up as Cooper tried to run a slant pattern in front of Elijah Eberhardt. He got a hand in to knock it away, and it goes incomplete. Good job by Eberhardt in coverage there. Second and 10, Mason. Third series for the Comets. Got a first down and then punted on their first series and then drove 75 yards for the touchdown that has them on top 7-6 on the last series. 
Two receivers, Dardis and Wexel Black go left, Cooper to the right, they offset the tight end from the left to the le right to the left wing. They're gonna hand it off to McCormick and he's going nowhere. He's gonna be, so the ball's loose! It's scooped up and running into the end zone for a touchdown! I believe it's Christian Kilgus Dixon and it is! I don't think the running back McCormick ever got the handoff at the mesh point. I didn't see anybody knock it away, somebody could have. But somehow the ball just laid on the turf and Christian Gilgis Dixon scooped it up. It goes in about 22 yards for the Princeton touchdown. So Princeton, an 80 yard touchdown. And then on the second offensive play for Mason, they get the scoop and score by Christian Gilgis Dixon, his second TD of the season. And the Vikings, it looks like, are gonna go for two here, I think. Having a hard time getting the right personnel in. They've not really started the play clock yet, so that's a good thing, and they are gonna go for two. So 12-7 the lead. Princeton will try to make it a full touchdown and extra point advantage here. Harris goes wide right. Matthews, Jamar Matthews, and Burkhalter to the left, but they're not very wide. Out of the shotgun, Durham has Boyd to his right. Now Mosley goes Matthews to the right. He's wide open in the flat. Durham's throw is caught, but I think he's short of the goal line. He had to dive, and they're gonna say he didn't make it. Not a great pass by Dorian Durham, who's thrown some great passes here the last three weeks. Matthews had to dive. When he did, he dove back across the goal line towards the field of play when he caught it. Good call by the officials, so the two-point try fails. But nonetheless, on the scoop and score on the fumble, 321 to go in the first quarter. It's now Princeton 12, Mason 7. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Enjoying tonight's broadcast but missed the first 30 minutes? No need to worry. Appointment listening for all ESP Media broadcasts can be found at soundcloud.com backslash ESP Media or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Search for ESP Media. Appointment listening by ESP Media since 2010. Here on a chilly Friday night for high school football last regular season week at Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium. I'm Richard Skinner with our producer engineer Zach Waddell. Princeton on an offensive touchdown and then two plays later, a defensive touchdown. Now on top of Mason 12-7. It'll be Hayden Cobbs to kick it away again. He takes about a nine-yard run up to the football and drives a high kick that's going to be bouncing, go into the end zone. Both of the two deep backs looked at each other. It went right between them as it bounced at the five and goes into the end zone for the automatic touchback. And Mason will start this series on its own 20-yard line. If you could have split it more perfectly than that, I'm not sure you could have. Went right dead in between them, and they both started after it, then both stopped and both watched it bounce and go in. So the Princeton defense with a score in the last series. Now see if they can keep the pressure on here on this Mason offense. Come out with Harding, same group. Not sure they're gonna substitute Harding not in there. Younger is in there and they're gonna bring in just to give a blow. It looks like Quincy Hughes is gonna be in there on the defensive front with Darian Henry on the three-man front. It's a 3-4 alignment. Brown goes under center here as McCormick behind him. Wing back each way. Long count, turns, gonna throw it, looking right, throws in the right flat, caught by Molinar at the 20, across the 25, and he's submarined at the 27-yard line. Jaheim Thomas made it himself. He was just a hair step away from getting out in the flat to get Molinari. It was Elijah Everhart who made the tackle. 
It's a gain of seven to the 27. The tight end Molinari in the flat has been money for Mason in this first quarter. That's his third reception, or no, his fourth reception already. And he came into tonight's game as the fourth leading receiver with just 11 on the year. Darnis wide left the open side of the field. They'll go same set. Wingbacks each way. Cooper wide right. Brown going to go back under center on second and three turns. Hands McCormick straight ahead and might have got the first down to the 30. Depending on the spot, get a whole lot out of that. Darian Henry, Jaheim Thomas, and Quincy Hughes helped. They're going to mark him a yard shy. They're going to mark him at the 29, so Princey gets a good spot out of that. So it'll be third and one as Paris Johnson comes in and Joshua Younger goes out. So Johnson going to be in there on the defensive front. He'll be on the nose. John Harris, knowing he doesn't play a lot of defense, had to set him where he wanted him to go and walks back to his linebacker spot. Third and one. Two receivers right, one to the left, and trying to sneak it forward is Brown. He's going to get a surge across the 30 to the 32-yard line. Good push by that Mason front. He's getting the good push up front for the Comets. It's Tyler Welsh, along with Jackson Norman. There are a couple of the guys in, the, in that middle spot. They've got the push, so a first down Mason. Two receivers each way. Again, wingbacks each way. And Brown's going to go under center with McCormick behind him. Takes the snap, turns, play fake, bootleg to the left. Sets his feet. Now he's going to have to scramble. He's going to run across the 30, 35, and dives forward to the 37-yard line as Leroy Bowers and John Harris were in hot pursuit. But Colin Brown got what he could get. It's a decent gain of five yards as he reversed bootlegged it going to his left and kept the football. Second and five is... Approach minute 15 to go here in the first quarter. Princeton on top, 12-7. Vikings have only had the ball for four offensive plays in this first quarter. A three and out, an 80-yard touchdown, and then a defensive touchdown. Cooper to the left, Dardis to the right. Wing backs each way. Again, Brown under center, turns, hands it off McCormick. Not going to get much. Got maybe a yard squeezed out of it, and that's all. As they're to wrap him up, Christian Kilgus-Dixon. And John Harris, the linebackers, knife through there to get him. So it'll be a yard gain to the 38. It'll be third and four. And Mason will have to run at least one more play here in this opening quarter. 25 on the play clock, 42 on the game clock. Princeton can force a three in our, uh, a punt situation. Third and four here. Cooper and Dardis will come wide right, the open side of the field. They'll go with the wing to the left. Now an offset eye in the backfield. Brown is under center. McCormick is the deep back. Princeton almost jumped. A turn, handed off McCormick, tries to angle off left tackle, and depending on the surge, no, he didn't even get to the 40-yard line. He's going to be stopped well shy of the first down. Jaheim Thomas, along with Darian Henry, and I'm making Todd Harding were there to make the stop at the 40-yard line. It'll be a couple of yards shy, and as the first quarter is going to come to an end, it'll be a fourth and two for Mason, and Brian Kastler are going to have an early decision to make because after one quarter of play, the score is Princeton 12, Mason 7. It'll be fourth and two, Mason, when we come back. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, and it's powered by Sidearm Sports. Budget Door of Cincinnati has you covered. We specialize in repair and installation of commercial doors, security gates, and dock levelers. With affordable rates, 24-hour commercial service, and free replacement quotes, Budget Door can help you with any of your dock or door projects. Have an issue with your home garage door or opener? Budget Door can help with that, too. Servicing the tri-state area for over 30 years, Budget Door offers quality service at a budget price. Call 513-851-6644 to schedule your door repair or replacement today. 
back here at Princeton High School, the final regular season week of high school football. Princeton's going to have at least one more as they clinch their first playoff berth since 2007, a week ago. They tried to head into the playoffs on a three-game winning streak. Mason with a, needing a win tonight and probably a little bit of help to get in. They sit at number nine. The top eight teams make it in each region. As we start quarter number two, Princeton going left to right as you look at your listening device. But Mason has the football going right to left, and they're going to fourth and two from their own 40. Look like they're going to go for it. Two receivers to the left, one to the right. Nope, they snap it back, and Brown's going to punt it away, and he punts it straight out of bounds. Who knows where this thing's going to wind up. Let's see. One of the officials runs back to where it went out, but now he's going to come forward. He starts at the 23, runs all the way across the 40, and all the way up to, actually, to the 40. So that punt goes all of about 20 yards. As Brown, a left-footed punter, just rushed it. I mean, if you're going to punt the ball, just punt it there. Done that little short. If you've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers, they'll do that occasionally with Ben Roethlisberger, but they'll usually do it in coffin corner situations. That's just a straight punt situation. Dan Wright is always providing us with our first quarter stats. And I mentioned Princeton didn't run very many plays in that first quarter. Just five plays, actually four plays. 87 yards, 80 on that touchdown to Burkhalter. We'll give you the rest of the stats after this first down play. It's a handoff and a running play, and running right with it and running hard is Thomas Boyd, but not running very far is Thomas Boyd as he gets a couple of yards before Jack Hagelidge, the linebacker, and Blake Aaron combined to make the stop. First quarter shows Princeton with only one first down, the touchdown. Mason had six first downs at 105 yards. Princeton three rushes, seven yards. Mason had 15 carries for 50 yards, and... Went 5 of 7 through the air for 55. Nick Molinari, the tight end, I told you about having that big first quarter. Four catches for 53 yards. So second and eight, Princeton from its own 42. Opening moments of the second quarter, and the Vikings up 12-7. Wideouts each way, two tight ends set. Now Matthews goes in motion. They fake it. Dorham rolls to his right to throw. Going to fire a pass down. Phil got a man open. Caught 45-40 into Mason territory at the 40 to the 35. Is big Rodney Harris Jr. has had a great last few weeks he didn't catch a pass in the first three games of the year that's his 14th catch in the last seven games for now over 400 yards and it's a first down to the mason 35 yard line boyd goes out he comes in at running back. james price is in there back in there at running back been hurt for a few weeks and he is in there right now two receivers right one to the left the open side of the field tamer matthews is the tight end set right Durham in the shotgun now going in motion is Foster, and they hand it straight ahead. It goes, big hole, gives Price, gets inside the 30 to the 28-yard line. As a nice gainer for James Price on first down. Gain of seven. James Price the third with a nice run right there. Second and three, Princeton off the hash mark to the right. Burkhalter goes wide left. Foster and Harris come right, the short side of the field. Price is to the left of Durham in a shotgun, looks at a four-man defensive front. Now they send Foster in motion. They're going to fake it to both, dropping to throw Durham. Throws it towards the end zone right side, into coverage. Harris is down there and it's broken up. Nice job coming over to knock it away by Blake Aaron, who was playing the deep safety spot. Rodney Harris Jr. is down on both knees in the end zone and trying to get up and still has it. Now gets up to one foot, now gets up to both. If he hurt his hand, walking very slowly back, but he is okay, but going to have to come out here on this third and three play, I think. The trainer had come on the field. I think they have to take him out. Yeah, that's what the coaching staff is telling him. you got to come out for the play. 
So third and three, Princeton for the Mason 28-yard line. Burkhalter to the left. Lining up wide right. Can't tell who that is, to be honest with you. Matthews on a wing left. They're going to hand it off instead, running ahead and bobbling the handoff as Price. He's going to be hit for a loss at the 29-yard line. He bobbled the handoff. Really didn't matter anyway. Had no chances firing through. Nick Wadsworth made the tackle for loss at the 29. That'll make it fourth and four for the Vikings, and they're going to go for it. This is too long for a field goal. This is go-for-it territory. Hayden Cobbs, by the way, was that wide receiver. He does the kickoff duties. He stays in. Now Jamar Matthews comes in, so they're going to go with the four-receiver set, it looks like here. Burkhalter, Jamar Matthews go wide left. Cobbs and D'Angelo Foster to the right, double slots each way. Thomas Boyd, or maybe Price to the right of Durham in the gun, looks at a four-man front on fourth and four, takes the snap, drops back, throws it to the right side. It is caught for the first down at the 23-yard line. That was a great catch into tight coverage. D'Angelo Foster, he was hit right away by Jack Haglidge, but not before he curled up at the 22. So a gain of eight on fourth and four and a first down, Princeton. Nice job by Foster. That was a tight window throw by Dorian Durham. He threw a dart. Foster made the contested catch for the first down at the 22-yard line. So the drive stays alive for Princeton. Burkhalter wide left the open side. Foster and Harris who's back into the right. They send Matthews on a wing left. Turn, handed off, running straight ahead is Iren, or yeah, that's Irene Turner actually. Ari Turner inside the 20 to the 18 yard line for a gain of four. And there's a Mason player shaking up and slow to get up. And trying to get up and having a hard time putting pressure on looks like his left ankle is Will Ott, defensive lineman, six foot, 195 pound sophomore. And now the trainer's gonna come out as he's gonna take a seat for just a moment. It's been a big couple of weeks for the guy who just carried the football. As I mentioned, Ari Turner barely touched it the first few games, had just four carries on the season heading into the Oak Hills game two weeks ago. Against Oak Hills, had 16 carries for 153 yards and a touchdown. Last week carried four times for 20 yards and had a 36-yard reception in the win over Lakota West. Rips off a four-yard gain right there to the 18. The clock stopped due to the injury with 8.53 to go here in this first half. And Princeton, after trailing 12-7, Got an 80-yard touchdown pass to Sterling Burkhalter from Dorian Durham. And then Christian Kilgus Dixon with the defensive touchdown. They officially gave that as a 22-yard recovery, which I believe we thought it was. The extra point for Princeton on the first one was a bad snap. Durham had to throw a pass. And the second one, Durham threw a pass that was caught short of the end zone. So Princeton 0 for 2 on extra point tries, and they're going to help out off the field. And he's not putting hardly any pressure. In fact, he's putting no pressure on his left leg. He's got it up in the air. That's a shame. Six foot, 195 pound sophomore. Might have got rolled up on, so he comes out. And Mason sends its defensive unit back on, and Princeton will send its offensive unit back on on second and six from the Mason 18 yard line. Off the hash mark to the right, they send Sterling Burkhalter to the left. The open side, Rodney Harris goes wide right. D'Angelo Foster's on a wing right, and they have Tamir Matthews in there as a tight end to the left. Ari Turner. Offset just to the right, and just a hair behind the quarterback, Durham, who's in the shotgun, looking at a five-man front, takes the snap, fakes it. He's going to run to the right. Dyer just stands up. One man does so inside the 15, makes another good move to the 10, and almost got away and couldn't quite do so as getting him just by the ankles at the 10-yard line to save a touchdown was Nick Molinari. But that's still enough for a first down, an eight-yard pickup. It'll be first and goal Princeton at the Mason 10-yard line, and Molinari's slow, slow getting up, but he's... 
trying to walk it off. Either that or he's just got a shoe issue. Yeah, it looks like he's just trying to fix his shoe. Like the kind of back end of it got popped underneath him. Now he's fixed it. Princeton goes back to the line. One wide out each way. Foster's on a wing right. Turner behind Durham in the shotgun on first and goal for the Mason 10. Takes the snap. Hands it off. Turner running hard inside and didn't get much. If he squeezed out a yard, he's lucky. I don't think he even got that much. There to make the stop, hitting him first. Barrick Falk, defensive end, 6'3", 240-pound senior. Give him actually no gain to the 10-yard line. Inside eight minutes to go in the half of the 12-7 Princeton lead. Thomas Boyd back in. And Ari Turner going to come out, so they'll go with the bigger back in Boyd. The second and goal, Princeton from the Mason 10-yard line. Burke Halter goes to the left. Angela Foster going to set up on a wing that way. Rodney Harris wide right. Ball just inside the hash mark to the right. Boyd to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Looks at a four-man front. Takes the snap. Fakes it. Drops the throw. Pressure's coming. Trying to roll away from it. Throws a pass into traffic. And it is incomplete down at the two-yard line. Tamir Matthews did a great job to dive for that one. There were about five white-shirted Mason defenders all around it. Somehow he got it over all of them and in between all of them. And Matthews almost made a superb diving catch down at the two-yard line. So as it is, it'll be incomplete. And it'll make it. Third and goal, Princeton from the 10. Tamir Matthews is going to go out as they're going to come with the receiver package. Damar Matthews comes in for him. This will be the four-receiver look, I would assume. With Harris and Burkhalter on the outside and Foster and Matthews, the slot guys, and that's what it is. Harris and Matthews to the right. Foster, Burkhalter to the left, the open side of the field. No tight end. Boyd to the light of, right of Durham in the shotgun. Looks at just a four-man front on third goal. Now coming to motion to the right is Foster to make it three receivers that way. Durham takes the snap, drops the throw, looks left, fires it down to the two-yard line. It's caught by Burkhalter. Sidesteps the defender and goes in for the touchdown. What a great move by Sterling Burkhalter who caught that coming back towards the quarterback at the three-yard line and then just stepped around a defender, Blake Aaron, along with Jackson Orlando and goes in for the touchdown and Princeton's lead swells to 18-7. Michael Everson on to attempt the point after with 7.17 to go. So Princeton's last two offensive possessions have resulted in touchdowns. And you mix in the defensive score on top of it. And they've gone from 7-0 down to 18-7. And the kick on the way by Everson is up and it is good. And now 19-7. So Princeton got things rolling here on both sides of the football. 7.17 to go in the first half of play. It is... Princeton 19, Mason 7. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Creating beautiful smiles every day. That is what we do at Casanelli Shanker and Baker Orthodontics. These board-certified orthodontists treat both children and adults and use traditional braces, clear ceramic brackets, and Invisalign to meet their individual patient needs. With offices conveniently located in Westchester and Blue Ash, they provide flexible payment options, convenient hours, and high-quality care. For a free new patient exam, contact Casanelli Shanker and Baker Orthodontics at 513-777-7060. Now, what a different story in Durham's made in this offense. His eighth touchdown pass over the last three games. This one, a 10-yard strike on third and goal to Sterling Burkhalter, his second touchdown reception of the night. Now Hayden Cobbs to kick it away. It's a line drive kick that's going to bounce at the 15. It's going to be picked up at the by, there by the deep back, and across the 30 goes Wiesigstrock, and he takes it up to the 32-yard line, and that's where Mesa will start possession. 
Mason since starting the season 0-3, losing to Springboro, LaSalle, Lakota East. 4-2 since, with the only two losses, 14-6 to Lakota West and 33-28 two weeks ago at Coleraine. And fighting for their playoff lives tonight. And Princeton, after trailing 7 nothings, dominated about the last 12 minutes or so of football. Trip set to the left. Round's going to operate in the shotgun. Cooper, the farthest out. As McCormick to the right of Brown in the gun. Looks at a five-man front, takes it, swings it out to Dardis, has the catch and running room across 35-40. Cuts outside 45-50 and into Princeton territory, but finally being shoved out of bounds by Jay Roberson. But Nick Dardis picks up a nice chunk of yardage to the Princeton 47-yard lines. That's a pickup of 20 yards. Right back to the line of scrimmage comes Mason, and now a whistle blows, and when we get timeout, Princeton. So Princeton wasn't going to let them go up-tempo that time. They did it on their scoring drive, where they went up-tempo, ripped off a couple of long runs, and then a couple of passes into the flat, including the touchdown of the tight end, Molinari. And Mason was going quick up-tempo again, and Princeton's Mike Daniels says, nope, we're going to slow this down with a timeout. With 7-0-1 to go in the first half, and Princeton on top. By a count of 19 to 7. Again, the scenarios are this in Division 1, Region 4. Four teams have clinched home games. So that's not going to change, although the order in which they can finish will. And again, the way the pairings go, the one seed plays the eight at home, the two, the seven, the three plays the six, and the four hosts the five. Heading into tonight, Fairfield was one, Elder two, St. X three, Coleraine four, Lakota West five, Princeton six, Hamilton seven. Sycamore eight, and Hamilton controls its own destiny. A win, and they're in. Three receivers right, one to the left. Here's going to be a quick swing out to the right side and dropping the football incomplete. Dardis fell on it, but that was a forward pass, I think. Are they going to call that a lateral? Where they are going to? No, they're going to call that a lateral. Wow, that looked like a forward pass for sure, but it's going to be a loss of four yards. Dardis heads up to fall on that, but that looked for all the world like it was a Clear swing forward pass. I think the head coach, yeah, Coach Kassler's coming out to talk to him and say, wait a minute, that, that was not backwards. That was forwards, and he's right. That wasn't even close. That's terrible. Princeton gets a break on a bad call. It's a loss of four. Princeton looks like he wants the blitz here. Now in motion goes Dardis left to right. Long count, and a penalty marker flies. I think we had somebody flinch up front for Mason, and we did. Princeton got a break on that play before for sure, so a loss of four thanks to the bad call, and now a movement up front. Now Caster even hotter over there. He didn't think his player moved up front. You're fighting for your playoff lives, everything gets magnified, including maybe at least a bad call on the swing pass. Can't speak to the false start or not, but the swing pass didn't even look close. So second and 19, three receivers left, one to the right. Close side of the field, Brown in the shotgun, awaits the snap, takes it, drops the throw, looks left, throws a slant, caught by Dardis across the 50, and he dives forward to the 49-yard line. So they get a chunk of it back to make it a more manageable third down. It'll be third and 12 for Mason from the Princeton 49-yard line now. Brown doing a good job not to hold on to that ball too long. That Princeton pass rush can get after you in a hurry. Younger, Harding up front with Henry at the moment. Those are the three down linemen. They've been rotating Harding and Younger out at times. Right now they're in there. Darian Henry lined up on a end to the right. Looks like he's off sides, but they haven't thrown the flag. Here's Brown takes the snap, drops the throw. Looking, fires right side. He has a man open too high and out of bounds. As trying to lunge to make the catch. It looked like 
He tried to keep his feet in more than jumping for it was Wexelblad. And it goes incomplete. It'll be fourth down, Mason, for the Princeton 49. And you're fighting for your playoff lives, even though this may not be conventional wisdom to go for it here. Down 19-7. It's early, still 5-12 to go in the first half. For right now, they're going to line up their offense. But don't forget, Colin Brown, the quarterback, is punted twice from the shotgun formation. It looks like he may do so here. It's a little further back than normal, about seven yards back. Takes the snap, and he's going to punt it away, and it's a very short punt that is going to bounce to 25. Picked up by Bowers back there. Makes a cut to the outside, looking for some running room. Across the 30 to the 35, and all the way up to the 38-yard line. Great return by Leroy Bowers, and he's mad he didn't get more out of that. So a net of only 11 yards. I, you know, if you're going to punt it, I just don't get that. Three times they've done it, and three times it's been a five-ring circus. One that went... Out of bounds for 20 yards. That one netted him actually only 10 yards as Bowers returned it all the way to the 39-yard line. So great field position for Princeton. Don't forget the Vikings will get the ball to start the second half. Mason won the toss and elected to receive. So they have a chance to maybe put this one away on the next couple of series. Out of the shotgun, Durham takes the snap, hands it off. Thomas Boyd runs straight ahead and runs into a brick wall at the 40-yard line. Four, five white-shirted defenders were there to swallow him whole. Leading the charge, Joe Reed is a 6'3", 320-pound junior, along with Nick Wadsworth. Two defensive linemen combined to make that stop. Get a yard to the 40 and no further. Brinson does have two timeouts left, just took one a minute ago on defense to slow down the Mason pace. Off the hash mark to the right, Burkhalter goes wide left. Jamar Matthews and Harris wide right in a slot. Matthews the slot man. James Price in there running back to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Takes the snap, drops the throw, rolling right. Now going to try to throw the screen back to the left side. It's going to be intercepted. That ball hung forever and coming out of nowhere, Jack Haglidge intercepted it. That was not a great play design. Durham backpedaled way, way deep and just threw a floater to the left side almost blindly. Haglund's read it all the way and comes making a diving interception to give Mason the ball back at the Princeton 37-yard line. Dorian Durham's done a lot of great things the last few games as a quarterback. That was not one of them. I'm not sure I like the play design a whole lot. I mean, he backpedaled a good 15 yards when he blindly turned as he rolled right. He turned back to his left to throw the screen. And there was nobody there but Haglund to make a nice diving interception. So Mason with some life at the Princeton 37-yard line. Two receivers left, one of them, Dardis goes in motion right. They hand it to him on a jet sweep. He's gonna pull up, looks to throw it. Looking down the right sideline, throwing it down there for a receiver, and it's gonna be intercepted at the goal line. What a great play by Kevin Suttles. Oh no, is that MJ Horton? It was MJ Horton who intercepted it. Right at the goal line. What an athletic interception. He went high to get that because the receiver, Brent Wexelblatt, was open. He was backpedaling, waiting for the ball to come down on the Dardis throw. And Horton went up high to get it. Went down immediately, though, marking down at the two-yard line. But Princeton gets it right back after the Vikings turn it over. On the trick play, Mason turns it over when Dardis throws the interception. But that really was more of a play by Horton to make a heck of a defensive play out of that. So from the two-yard line, Princeton going to put everybody in tight. I think they're missing somebody. They're missing an offensive player. Mike Daniels may have to take a timeout with 10 seconds on the play clock, and he will have to do so. They're missing a player. They'll take a quick timeout with him. Let's do that. Four minutes to go in the first half of play. It's Princeton 19, Mason 7. You're listening to Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, and it's powered, as always, by Sidearm Sports. 
For over 32 years, Nelson & Associates, a family-owned, Ohio-based, full-service real estate company, has specialized in the management and development of affordable housing communities. Choose Nelson & Associates for all of your real estate needs, whether it's sales, development, property management, or consulting. We are an experienced professional team providing quality service. For more information about Nelson & Associates, please visit us on the web at www.nelsonasc.com or call us at 513-961-6011. Back here at Princeton, four minutes to go in the first half. Vikings will start at their own two-yard line following the MJ Horton interception. Not one that he threw, one that he went up and got defensively on a great play. Got a score to pass along. It's a bit of a shocker at the moment. Everybody in tight, and Durham just going to wedge it out of there. They're just going to try to push the pile. And it literally looked like a rugby scrum on top of a rugby scrum as he got it up to the five for a gain of three. LaSalle in the first half leading Elder 21 to nothing. Second down for the Vikings. Also at the half in the showdown of showdowns tonight. Fairfield seven, Coleraine three. Cardinals have won 82 straight greater Miami Conference wins. Came into this game eight and one. Both teams undefeated in the GMC. Fairfield nine and zero, trying to finish the regular season undefeated. Clock one's near 3.20 to go. Now, with a little room to operate, Durham will go from the shotgun with Boyd to his left. Waits the shotgun snap, claps, gets it, hands it off to Boyd, and he's not going to go anywhere. In fact, he's going to lose a yard. Joe Reed just swallowed him whole at the four-yard line and shoved him back into the end zone. They'll give him forward progress. Not like the punt from down here. Their punting game has been an adventure, mostly from the snap perspective this year. Under three minutes to go in the half. Princeton faced with a third and seven from its own, make it third and eight from its own four-yard line. So sure you don't drop back and throw one as far as you can throw it. Nope, one of those big receivers, either Sterling Burkhalter or Rodney Harris Jr., 6'2", Harris, Burkhalter, 6'3", if one of them can run underneath it. Burkhalter's got two touchdown receptions on the night. Down on the play clock, Princeton just getting out of the huddle and not doing so with a lot of energy. Down to four on the play clock. Durham in the shotgun, down to two, and he takes the snap. He's going to hand it off, running straight ahead is Boyd, and he wedges the pile out, still has his arms on the football. He takes tacklers with him up to the nine, so a great job by Boyd to get a little bit more room to punt the ball away. Surprised Mason hasn't taken a timeout here. They got three of them, and now they will take one because Princeton's going to have to punt it away, so Mason will take a timeout with 2.10 to go here in the half. Princeton leading at 19-7, two Dorian Durham touchdowns, 80 yards to Sterling Burkhalter, 10 yards to Sterling Burkhalter, and then Christian Kilgis-Dixon with a 22-yard fumble return. It's 19 unanswered points by the Vikings. But they're going to have to punt it away here. Now they will get the ball to start the second half. Tamir Matthews, the biggest part of this will be the snap. This what cost Princeton early in the year when they lost to Sycamore. They had a late botched punt from they're deep in their own territory that led to a Princeton, or rather to a Sycamore score that tied it at 13 apiece. And then Sycamore got it back and won it on a field goal at the at the gun. So 2-10 to go. Both Princeton with one timeout left, but Mason has two, and Princeton going to have to punt it away. Tamir Matthews will stand about three or four yards deep in his own end zone. Jamel Wimpy will snap it. Wimpy does the best he can, but a lot of his snaps are very 
lofty. They don't have a lot of zip on them. Long snapping is not easy for sure. Now Durham comes in there as a personal protector, it looks like. Is that Horton? Snap is a good one. Matthews gets it and gets the punt away. Very high, short punt. McCormick signals for a fair catch and takes it on the Princeton 33-yard line. So Mason has great field position here with 2.02 to go in the half. The comments will take over Princeton on the last series, after the interception by Hagwood's the linebacker for Mason, they headed at the 36, try to trick play with Alec Dardis, the wide receiver, trying to throw a pass off of a handoff. But MJ Horton intercepted, so two golden opportunities for Mason here late in the first half. This is the second of the two. And they'll start with two receivers lined up to the right. That is Dardis, along with Wexelblatt, and Cooper to the left. Fallon Brown in the shotgun has McCormick to his left. Takes the snap, gonna hand it to McCormick, runs straight ahead, runs right into a brick wall. Darian Henry, Leroy Bowers, Joshua Younger, all there to throw him backwards for a loss of a couple at the 35-yard line. They'll make it to 34. He'll lose one, but he will lose yardage, and the clock runs with 145 to go in the half. Second and 11, Mason. Set up 19 to seven in the waning moments of the first half. Wexel Black, Dardis go wide right. Cooper wide left, ball in the middle of the field. Brown in the shotgun has Molinari on the tight end on a wing left. Awaits the snap, takes it. Gonna hand it off McCormick, runs left off left guard, doesn't get much, got a yard, maybe two at the most before he's pushed back. Christian Kilgus Dixon, along with John Harris there to combine on the tackle. And gets back to the original line, the 38, and that'll make it third and 10, or make it 33, excuse me, that'll make it third and 10, Princeton. By the time this ball is snapped, it'll be under a minute to go in the first half. Another score to pass along. Louisville, or rather make it Cincinnati St. Xavier leading Louisville St. Xavier in Louisville tonight, 14 to nothing. Zach Waddell catching us up on all the scores. Cooper, Dardis wide right. Wexel Black to the left. Molinari the tight end set as a tight end to the right. McCormick to the left of Brown. Takes the shotgun snap, drops the throw. Now flush to the right. On the run, rolling out. Throws it towards the end zone into some traffic and it's going to be broken up down at the five-yard line. As Suttles was there to break it up. As they tried to hit Cooper down at the five, Suttle slipped or he probably would have picked that off. So with 38 seconds to go in the half, fourth down here, you would assume from the Princeton 33, Mason's gonna go for this, and they will, it looks like. Now they punted before, but I don't think they're gonna punt here, this deep into Princeton territory. Down 12 late in the first half, and the Princeton defense doing a good job after that 75-yard first quarter touchdown drive. So here we go, fourth and 10 for Mason from the 33, ball smack dab in the middle of the field. Wexel Blatt, Dardis go wide right. Cooper to the left. They set the tight end on the line of scrimmage. Molinari on the right. And now a whistle and a timeout going to be taken defensively by Princeton as they wanted to see what formation and look they got. And then maybe adjust accordingly. So Princeton will take its final timeout of the half with 38 seconds to go. Don't forget, Princeton will get the football to start the second half after Mason won the toss and elected to receive. So you can get a stop here, depending on where the ball is. Maybe take a shot or two down the field. One of your big wide receivers try to go up and get it. At the very least, going to halftime with this 19-7 lead, but the first things first, Princeton has to stop Mason on this fourth and 10 play from the Princeton 33. Two pretty good defensive stands if Princeton gets the stop here. He took over on the Princeton 36 following the interception and threw an interception and then following the punt, the short punt from their own end zone. Mason right where it started this drive at the Princeton 33 faced with fourth and 10. Now they're going to try a long field goal. 
in to try it will be Curran. If he misses, the thing about this is it comes back to the 20-yard line. This will be a 50-yard attempt. It'll be Dardis to hold it. We saw him throw the pass on the on the jet sweep. Of course, he is a wide receiver, but he did throw the pass. Curran on the year is 0 for 2 on field goal tries. So he's not made one, but this one from 50 yards out right in the middle of the field. And Princeton jumped. I think they got free five yards, and maybe that's all they wanted to get out of it. Now I'm going to guess they'll send the offense back on the field on fourth and five. So instead of fourth and ten, it'll be fourth and five. They may have gotten what they wanted just to get some yardage to try to fake them out a little bit. Princeton got Princeton jumpy. They haven't made a move yet. Curran stays on the field. This would now be a 45-yard field goal try. And you're going to leave him out there to try it with 38 seconds to go in the half. Mason does have two timeouts remaining, and I think Brian Caster's going to take one of those two right here to maybe change his mind, and that's what he's going to do. Brian Caster in his 10th year as Mason football coach. Enter tonight with a 64-41 and 41 record. Mason on the outside looking at the playoffs right now, and if they don't make it this year, that would snap a four-year streak for the Comets of making the playoffs. They've made it five times under Brian Caster in 2012. Then each of the last four years, 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018, made it five times prior to Caster being coach. 96, 97, 99, 03, and 04. So he's had quite a run here. Five playoff appearances in his first nine seasons and trying to make it six in his first ten. But a loss and Mason's out. A win doesn't definitely have him in, but gives him at least a chance. A loss gives him no chance. See if they send the offense back out there, they will. So on fourth and five now, Brian Caster decides to go for it from the Princeton 28. Two receivers right. That's Wexelblatt and Dardis. Wexelblatt the slot man. Cooper wide left. Out of the shotgun is Brown with McCormick to his right. Looks at a five-man front. Prince looks like he wants to blitz. And look at the running back move. Brown takes the snap, drops the throw, looks right, has a man wide open down at the 21. First down, Dardis makes a move inside the 15 and down to the 11-yard line. Alec Dardis just made a nice out route down at the at the 17-yard line, and Brown puts it on the money. Clock stops momentarily to move the chains. 28 seconds to go in the half. It's down to the 11-yard line. Quickly to the line of scrimmage. Brown takes the snap and just spikes it into the ground to clock it with 21 seconds to go in the half. So it'll be second and 10 from the Princeton 12-yard line. They only have one timeout left. But they do convert on the third down on the fourth and five play. So they break the huddle. And they have two receivers to the left. Off the hash mark to the right, one to the right. McCormick to the left of Brown, takes the shotgun snap, looks left to throw it, fires it to the fourth corner for Cooper, goes through his hands incomplete. He was out there. He ran a great route as he drove the corner in and then ran towards the far left corner of the end zone. Roberson had the coverage, but Cooper really looked like he had a chance at that one. He's six foot six, so they're just trying to throw it up to a big receiver. Jay Roberson goes 5'10", so that's an 8-inch height advantage they're trying to exploit on that pass route, but incomplete with 16 seconds to go in the half. It'll be third goal, Mason, from the Princeton 12. Cooper goes wide right, the short side of the field. Three receivers come to the open side. 
Molinari in the between Dardis, who's on the inside, and Wexelblad on the outside. Brown with the shotgun snap, looks left. Now he's flushed, fires on the run to the corner, wide open, touchdown Mason. Dardis got behind everybody, they lost him in coverage, and Colin Brown with a 12-yard touchdown pass to Alec Dardis as Mason. Now within 19-13 of Princeton with 10 seconds to go in the first half. That fourth down offsides was huge. Because instead of trying a 50-yard field goal, which probably wasn't going to be good, instead it got to fourth and five. They converted. And now on third and goal, Mason with the touchdown has made it a ball game. As in to attempt the point after will be Brooks Curran. Made his only extra point attempt of the night. Dardis to hold, gets the snap down. The kick on the way is thumped through. He's got plenty of leg. Not so sure he wouldn't have made that one from 50 yards out. So we'll keep it here with just 10 seconds to go in the half. Princeton had scored 19 straight points after leading or after trailing 7-0, but that's a clutch drive by Mason. Again, they are fighting for their playoff lives, are the comments. They have to win to have any chance. And Princeton. Looked like it had them stopped on fourth and ten. They were going to kick a field goal from 50 yards. Went off sides instead did Princeton. Gave them the free five. Decided to go for it and converted. And on third and goal, Alec Dardis got behind everybody. To catch the 12-yard touchdown pass from Colin Brown for Dardis on the season. That is his fifth touchdown reception. And Colin Brown now with two touchdown passes on the night. Now he has 13. As Kern will kick it away. She just needs to pretty much flop on this, take a knee, and call it halftime. He will get the ball to start the second half. Kern waits. He's going to move on the football. Does so slowly. Now speeds up. He's going to slump one way back downfield. It'll be caught at the one-yard line by Leroy Bowers. Runs off to the near side across the 15 to the 20, and he's going to be chopped down at the 24-yard line with four seconds to go in the half. Princeton will have to run one more snap, and that'll take us to halftime. So shaping up to be a pretty good second half here between a Princeton team looking to make it three in a row heading into the playoffs or a Mason team that's looking to win to have its hopes get in the playoffs. Started their own 25. Mason has five defenders back on their own 40. Now they walk up a little bit. Cooper's in there on defense. One of them, he's playing the deep safety at 6'6". Now they're going to all walk up as they can see Princeton's just going to take a knee here it looks like. If nobody out wide, Durham's going to go under center. He just needs to snap it once, does, puts the knee down. Time will expire in the first half of play. Mason scored first on a 75-yard touchdown drive. Princeton got an 80-yard touchdown pass from Dorian Durham to Sterling Burkhalter. Then a scoop and score 22-yard fumble return from Christian Kilgus Dixon. And a 10-yard touchdown pass from Sterling Burke to Sterling Burkhalter before Mason answers right here before halftime on a 12-yard touchdown pass of its own. And that's where we have us here at the half. It's Princeton 19, Mason 14. We'll be back in about 20 minutes with second half action here from Pat Mancuso Field in Jake Swinney Automotive Group Stadium. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Looking for future leaders we can believe in? Look no further than the high school student athletes right here in Ohio. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It includes learning to listen, accepting responsibility, being a good role model, and it's about respect. The result, it transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association.
of the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback from UC Reading High School and Carolina Panthers fame, Tony Pike. We broadcast live from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We'll talk some NFL in this segment. we got a little bit of college in the next segment and high school football, which uh, the playoffs go to week two in Indiana, but the last regular season week in Kentucky where the playoffs basically set. Those are mostly non-district games this week, but in Ohio, some playoff uh, games and, and league games championships are on the line that we'll talk about coming up in the final segment of high school football. We'll start with the with the NFL. And by the way, we do broadcast live from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. And I'd like to start with the Bengals, but I won't just because of James. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he's flying high on his Lamar Jackson. What, what do you think he's thinking of Baker Mayfield? Oh, right man. That, what's he thinking of Baker Mayfield? And what is he thinking of Freddie Kitchens right now? How about Freddie Kitchens deciding down three scores, six minutes yeah. to go, I'm going to punt. Oh, no, no, I'm going to go for it. I'll take a penalty. But I don't want to use a timeout. What are you doing? Two terrible uses of the challenge flag. I didn't see this. I saw one of them. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, man, he, he really looks like he's in over his head. And the, and the crazy thing is that as bad as that game started, they had a chance right. to still be in it because they are so talented. Their defense is more talented than a lot of people I think. I think the defense is pretty good, yeah. Uh, it's just, man. It, the turnovers, the Nick yeah. Chubbs, the, that, that little shovel <laughs> Shuffle oh. pass right to the defensive lineman, and and also I mean Chubb is Chubb runs hard, and I think Chubb's still going to be a really good back. But man, they they cannot get out of their own no, way. They cannot, which still proves if if they can figure out how to get out of their own way with their schedule going forward, maybe. But if, if they stumble again along the way, I think you you close the door on them. Yeah, you're. I mean, they have to run kind of like a eight and one or yes. many games, something yes. like seven and two. To give themselves a chance on the way out. Yeah, two and five is, as we sit here. But two and five sure beats an zero and eight, and that's where our beloved Bengals are. I'm glad we're doing this first today because I couldn't have <laughs> sat through two other segments without without getting this without, off my chest without boiling over. Look, no, no one thought they were going to to London beating the Rams, and in the grand scheme of things, it's a one score game at the half, and you're feeling the offense is moving. The offense had two hundred and two yards in the first half. They rushed for eighty four yards on thirteen carries in the first half. It looked like a bona fide NFL offense. Four yeah. chunks of the first half. They did some things differently. Went with some two tight end packages. Brought Michael Jordan, the offensive lineman, in as a, as an extra lineman and a lineman eligible to try to help the running game. And I, and I think it did uh, did befuddle the Rams for a for mm-hmm. a bit. And that's that's good to see them adjust. So let's give a little credit where credit's due. But th- there's not a game you go in where you don't realize how talent deficient this team is. The the question for you, and it's rhetorical, I know, because we've discussed it. Why can't they see that? Right. And that, to me, I watch all the games around the NFL, or as many as I can, and I watch teams that are bad that have talent. I watch teams that are bad that have young talent. Or I watch teams in the Dolphins last night that are bad but have 13 draft picks in the next season. So all these teams I watch, they have reasons for hope. For hope. And then I watch the Bengals game, and I'm like, wow, that guy's not good, but he's going to be here. And this guy's not very good, but well, he's going to be here. And this guy's not very good, but we re-signed him to bring him back here. It, it to me, from and, – and this goes now from the coaching staff down and, and at the top of the organization down. Yeah, but, I, I want to get to the coaching staff separately in a minute. But yeah. Keep going. But, no, I, I just – you watch the just the, the overall talent on the field, and at some point teams just start overriding that. And, and I don't remember who I was listening to talk about it yesterday. It might have been Dan Orlovsky, but he said, in the NFL – in the first three quarters, if you just don't beat yourself, don't turn the ball over, uh, end drives with kicks, don't kill yourself with penalties, then you have a chance in the fourth quarter to win with your playmakers. But 
there's so many teams in the NFL that don't have the playmakers right. to go to yet, whether they haven't developed yet or whether in the Bengals' case, they their playmakers are, what, all over 31 now. Yes. Well, and, I guess you can consider John Ross yeah. getting there, but we still haven't seen enough of him on a consistent basis, either health-wise right. or production-wise, to know if he's that guy. Um, so it, it goes to this. I, I get where they look back at 4-1 and one last year and thought, mm-hmm. okay, injuries really derailed that. I'll give you. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna give you that in this offseason, that, that you believe that getting all your healthy pieces back, um, adding a key part or two in the draft, and Jonah Williams is going to be a key part of that, Yeah. that you thought that was all it was going to take. I didn't agree with that because I still didn't think the defensive personnel was great, but I'll, I'll give you at least, if that was your philosophy, go with it. Belief, that's you can, I'll go with it. Okay, but eight games in now, we're, we're, and I know injuries have factored in a little bit, but is A.J. Green going to make a difference between 0-8 and 6-2? Eight and, and right. and and is Jonah Williams? I mean, are they together? Is John Ross? I, I, don't, I don't see enough of those pieces that, that say you're, you're, you're that close, and I don't know how anybody believes that in that organization. I mean, you're playing with a cast-off right tackle, a cast-off right guard, and now you're playing with an undrafted free agent, Alex Redmond, at right guard. Your, your, your center is your best offensive lineman. He's an undrafted free agent. Your left guard, your former first-round draft pick center who can't beat out the undrafted guy at center. Your left tackle, you're now on right. your fourth or fifth left tackle. And, yes, I do know that Jonah Williams should make a difference, but I can't guarantee that. We expected right. Cedric Abuayi to make a difference, and it, and it didn't. That's so, the thing. I mean, could could Jonah Williams be the next Anthony Munoz? He could be maybe. the next Munoz. He could be the next Abuayi. Right. Like we, we, we don't have anything to go on. It's not like they've hit a home run on their previous first-round draft picks. No, I- exactly. So I don't know how you don't embrace that. And listen, I, I, I know that for a first-year head coach and his staff and for the Brown family, they feel like winning games, any games, is precious. I don't look at it like that. I think winning games to get to the playoffs is precious. That's your goal. And once that goal is erased, then you have right. to evaluate, is it injuries? Is it age? Um, is it scheme? Is it coaching? You have to start evaluating all of those mm-hmm. things together. And then you have to make what are prudent decisions. And this organization time and again hasn't. Do you know that this is the fifth time since Paul Brown died in August of 1991? There have been, this is the 20, what, ninth season since then. Fifth time in those 29 mm-hmm. seasons the Bengals have started 0-8. Right. Five times under Mike Brown's watch this franchise has started 0-8. That's hard to do, bro. You played in the league. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, and at the same time, like it, it's not Eight getting, hard. It's not oh, getting it's hard. better. Right. That's the problem. And, and you go back to the teams that they've lost to. Yes, the 49ers are exceptional. And the 49ers are a team that... Didn't take long. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, John Lynch comes in. They move the pieces. They win in the draft. They win in free agency. They win in the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And they're 7-0 because they, they identified, hey, it's time to blow it up. And then decided, hey, we need one more piece. Could have been A.J. Green. Yep. Instead, it's Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. They went and got Quan Alexander in the offseason. Yeah. They made the moves. A so, guy the Bengals should have targeted, should have right. overpaid for. So you look at, at these teams. The Bills aren't very good. The Jaguars aren't very good. The Steelers and the Cardinals aren't very good. The Rams gave up 55 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, we're not getting beat by world beaters. We're getting beat by teams that you would think you'd at least have a chance against. We're not getting beat by the Saints. We're not getting beat by the Patriots yet. Uh, but but I mean, you, you go up and down the board and you look at how teams have built it the right way in the NFL. The Saints lose Drew Brees. And they had a guy ready to and go. And they had a guy they ready. Had, they had a starting caliber And they do not miss a, a step. 
Correct. Because they have every plan possible because of ownership, because of coaching, because of leadership. And then they, and then they develop a weapon in Taysom Hill. They, they do things like they, Correct. That's what good organizations do. You have the depth to overcome. Listen, in this league, you can't overcome a multitude of injuries. I mean, you don't have enough guys. This isn't college where you've got 85 scholarships right. and another 15 walk-ons, five to eight of which can play. You don't have that. Yep. You have 53. You have a practice squad, and you're usually juggling anywhere between five to ten injuries of different magnitudes. You, you can't always overcome those. But right now, I do know this on that defensive line that started on 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 uh, on um, on Sunday. Carlos Dunlap was there. Mm-hmm. Geno Atkins was there. Andrew Billings was there. Sam Hubbard was there. Your linebackers, Nick Vigil was there. Weston yep. Brown was there when he was on the field. Your two safeties, Jesse Bates was there. Yep. Sean Williams was there. Yeah, you're down two corners. I'm going to give you that portion of the program. But you still, you basically had nine nine of your eleven projected starters on defense. We're on the field giving up another f- almost 500 yards. I wouldn't have known that the corners were out because every pass was completed over the middle. Well, that was some linebacker issues, Holy too. Holy cow. Can you get your eyes in the right place? What are we doing? I mean, you talk about elementary scheming. You took two guys in a hook route and said, here, linebackers, watch them hook. Safeties, we're going to clear you out and go deep, and there's going to be this giant hole yeah. in them. Can someone get a drop? Can my, someone take a drop? My question on that. Can a safety you, come you, up? When you go into that game against the Rams... And I know this goes into a little bit of coaching as well. But when you go into the Rams, has Todd Gurley been dominant this year? No. They've, they've been not used. run the ball great. Who's, who's been their catalyst? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. 51 catches going into the game. And then, on the what, first Brandon, possession, Brandon, Cooks, Brandon Cooks goes out. Yeah, and it, Cooper Cup just proceeds to just go off, and, and he gets whatever he wants. It, like I, know, me, I know Will Jackson was dealing with a shoulder issue, but he did yeah. play. And I've was, talked to Louie Rumo about this He looked this like before. he didn't want to tackle Cooper Cup on that long touchdown. No, no. But I, th- I would have rather taken my chances with an ailing Will Jackson yeah. following Cooper Cup everywhere, man mm-hmm. to man, than I would have playing some zone and saying, listen, we'll just give you the whole middle of the field. I mean, Jared Goff, you got to admit, as a quarterback, if you saw holes like that in an NFL defense, yeah. wouldn't you be salivating? I mean, you, you would, and then you, Cooper you played it. How tight are the windows? They're damn yeah. tight, right? Supposed I, to be. No, I, I'm not joking about this. I could make that yes. throw on that deep over route. They I were could supposed do. to be. And Cooper Cup even said after the game that it's what we saw. Yeah, it was game plan, and that's what we saw. He had 120 yards after the catch, and some yep. of it was on that long one where BW Webb fell down on the on the flea flicker. Right. But basically, half of those yards came not because Cooper Cup's running through tackles, because Cooper Cup's running free and wide open after yeah. the catch. I, I've never seen an NFL game. With the third down stats that were staggering Sunday, yeah, and I, I I wrote them down. The seven they they converted seven third downs. Of those seven third downs, a third and eight where they got twenty one yards, yep. a third and five where they got thirty one. Mm-hmm. Third and eight, cup, I right. believe. Yeah. Third and eight they got twenty three. Third and ten they got twenty. Third and four they get fifteen. Third and ten they get forty, and third and ten they get fourteen. This isn't a team that's like third and seven. Let's run an eight yard route. You're giving up. 20, 30, 40 yards Chunk plays. on third down. Right. And half those are third and long, which in the NFL... That's what you want. Yes. Get a team to third and long and you're in business. All right, so let's let's go to the coaching portion of this because I, I'm, I'm, I've given these guys a pass. I'm going to give them a pass to some degree because I do understand the talent deficiencies. But much was made, and I wrote a piece about it, that, that listen, you got a guy who skipped a pay grade along the way, um... It feels very, I don't want to say nepotistic isn't the right word because he doesn't have relatives on the staff, but he certainly has many relations on this staff. 
from past favors, perhaps past friendships. And sometimes that's yeah. that's how coaching staffs are built to some degree. Mm-hmm. But how much of this is on on Zach Taylor, and how much of this is on this staff to 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 scheme their way out of it, and that they're not capable of doing that or leading a team to a win. Well, I'll, I'll first say that it starts with the top of the organization because we've mentioned – Well, that part's a given. We've mentioned so many times the McVay coaching tree. You can talk about it all you want, but that team built around a young quarterback so they could bring in – They had an idea. They had, an, they they, had a plan. Yes, they brought in pieces, and then they said, here, Sean McVay, here's Wade Phillips. Any question you have, he's been there. He's your defensive coordinator. And he's, he's a great defensive And he's a great coach. He knows what he's yes. doing. So – Sean McVay has a sounding board. Zach Taylor was given none of that. Zach Taylor was given the head coaching job. And play calling duties. And play calling and duties. And trotting out there to answer questions about Cordy, Cordy Glenn, Glenn and, and A.J. Green. Green yes. and all and of that. But yet at the same time, you don't give him any pieces to work with. So while I, think of, while I question different things, yes, I, I question why... We haven't used the two tight end sets more. Which they did on sets. Which they finally yes, did. But it took a while. I, I question why Bernard's not on the field with yes. Mix and more and, and why we're not getting more exotic there. I question some of the Jaguar game, the second one, third and one throwing, or the toss sweep on third and one. There's different play calls that I question, but I also I, I, I feel bad for Zach Taylor because he is now being made out around the league to look like a Before, bad coach. Yes. When at the same time he's been given nothing to succeed, and and when I say nothing, I'm talking about the defense that was brought back. I'm talking about the offensive roster that's been assembled, especially on the offensive line, because that inhibits you to do a lot of stuff. But I also talk about a quarterback in his ninth year that's not performing, and and we've talked about turnovers, and it wasn't the turnovers on Sunday, but missing Auden Tate down the sideline, missing that, uh, yeah, somebody else down the sideline too. Right, Auden Tate was was an right, easy and call. and that's. That's how, how much of that, though, and I'm not looking for an excuse, but you, again, you've played the position. How much of that, though, is you just you're, – you're almost shell-shocked right now. Well, he is, and, and you can see that on his reads because where other quarterbacks in the league, you'll see him look to the Damn. right, look to the middle. Andy Dalton, wherever he's looking, if it's there, it's, it's there. If not, scramble, throw the ball away. Yes. And, and now, now you're seeing the ramifications of all of that. Clean pocket, missing throws. In the red zone, taking sacks. Um, I mean, there's just there's too many things going on. Third down conversions where you just give up and throw the ball out of bounds because you're at a point now where you're you're and and Sam Darnold got caught saying this, but a lot of quarterbacks right. do it. You're seeing ghost, and and you're now struggling because you've been behind a deficient offensive line and because you've been historically bad. And it's just it's it's one of those situations for now. Zach Taylor, your quarterback struggling, your offensive line struggling, your defense is really bad. I mean, they're 29th or worse than the NFL in seven categories. Yes. And you don't have a guy, other than your special teams coordinator probably, in that locker room on a week-to-week basis to just talk about how to figure it out. Who are you going to? Lou Anarumo? Callahan? Like, where do you go? Mike Brown? Because I sat there after Atlanta, who's terrible, and I watched Arthur Blank come down, and talk. Come down into the tunnel mm-hmm. and talk to the media and answer everyone's questions. Who does that for the Bengals? Zach Taylor. Yeah, I, I told you we asked for Duke Tobin two or three weeks ago. I put a, yep. I literally put a formal written request in to speak with the director of player personnel, who is kind of the de facto GM. I can't call him the GM because he's not the GM, and we were simply told well, he doesn't talk during the regular season. Correct. Oh, okay. So we're gonna then we're gonna have to direct questions to your head coach. 
who's not going to be questions. able to answer them because he doesn't know how to. I mean, one question for him today, I'm going to ask it, is trade deadline's coming up in 30 minutes. We're talking to him at 3.30 today. Yep. Who pulls the trigger on a trade? Is it you? Right. Is it Mike? Is it Katie? And is you it... won't get an answer because no. no one knows. No, right. It'll that, be, that's well, the it's problem. a collaboration. No, no, someone, the, and that's the problem. The buck always has to stop with somebody. When you right. played at UC, where did the buck stop? Brian Kelly. On everything, right? Yes. Just about everything. Yep. I guarantee you probably he called the defense on occasion and said, listen, I need you to be more aggressive or less aggressive, however you do it. Yep. I guarantee that, that's what I had, that's what you do. Right. My my question is. Whether you like Brian Kelly or not. Right. The Bucks you stopped. You knew. You knew. And, and you can know from watching the Falcons that at least the owner wants to win. Mm-hmm. That at least the owner cares because it's not it's not every day you see an owner talking to the media after a loss other, falling to one and uh, seven. Other than Jerry Jones. Right. Other than Jerry Jones. And and you go to okay, go to New England, where you think the buck stops? Probably Bill Belichick. Yes. So you go around the league and now I look at all these teams. John Dorsey probably makes a lot of decisions. Mike Mayock, John Lynch, and look what they've done. They've they've ignited and they've brought hope into these organizations and these fan bases that this fan base doesn't have. Because at O and eight, I'm No, si- you you have no hope. No. There, there's unless there's nothing come, to look forward to. Unless they come out and say, we're hiring a general manager. We're changing our direction. Right. We're doing these things. There's, so I, I got not, What I got right now is I got a poor, beleaguered head coach trying, and he literally says it in singular terms. But when we win that game, it's going to be glorious. Yeah, that game. Woo, can't wait for that game. But, it, but again... You're, you're setting. Would, you have, would it be Spumante or would it be really? Would it be Moet? What, what kind of? What, what do you think they ought to spray in the locker oh, room? I don't know. I don't know. But that's high, high class or low class. You definitely go high class. Absolutely. Gonna, Mike Brown's going to want to spend. No question. But but the the that that to me is the key. It's you either come out and you hire a GM or you put more money into your scouting department or you make some give the fans something to say. Okay, something's going to change. I'll tell you I'm, what you ought to do. You ought to oversign for a backup running back who you're yeah. hardly going to use. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Good use of money. Resign I'm, Bobby Hart. I'm going to resign Preston Brown. I'm going to resign my 32 year old to be wide receiver who's been hurt yeah. a bunch lately. Did Preston Brown play 50, under 50 percent of the snaps? That's a good question. I think he was at 48 percent. Was he? Okay. So I, I don't notice if he's on the yeah. field or off the field. Well, that's, really that's the problem. Yeah. But now, so so we're sitting there, and, and I'm watching yesterday the Dolphins make another trade. Kenyon Drake. When it comes to financial planning, most financial Northwestern Mutual. Contact us today at 513-366-3600 or visit us on the web at cincinnati.nm.com. Welcome back here at halftime at Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium. I'm Richard Skinner with our producer engineer, Zach Waddell. As we get set to start the second half here in a couple of moments, Princeton with a 19-14 halftime lead. Here's how we got here. Mason took a 7-0 lead on its second offensive possession of the game when it drove 75 yards in eight plays. We got a 12-yard touchdown pass from Colin Brown to Nick Molinari. Brooks Curran added the extra point and with 3.52 to go in the opening quarter of play. It was actually with 450, no, 3.52 to go, excuse me. It was a 7-0 uh, Mason lead. But on the very first play from scrimmage after a touchback, Princeton got on the border an 80-yard touchdown pass from Dorian Durham to Sterling Burkhalter. The extra point try was no good, though, when the snap was low, and Durham was forced to try to throw a pass that went incomplete, and Mason still held a 7-6 lead. But on the second offensive play from scrimmage for Mason, running back Nick McCormick, or Nolan McCormick, excuse me, fumbled the football away. 
Christian Gilgis Dixon scooped it up and raced 22 yards for a touchdown. Princeton attempted a two-point conversion that failed. And with 3.21 to go, Princeton had scored touchdowns 18 seconds apart and had taken a 12-7 lead. Vikings then up the lead in the second quarter to 19-7 when they capped a 60-yard 11-play drive with a 10-yard touchdown pass from Durham to Burkhalter. This time, Michael Everson was able to get the extra point through, really the first time he tried a kick in the game, and Princeton's lead swelled to 19-7. But Mason, faced with a 50-yard field goal try on 4th and 10 in the waning moments of the first half, got an offside call against Princeton. That led to a 4th and 5, which Prince Mason then decided to go for and converted, and they eventually ended the drive on an 11-yard touchdown pass from Brown to Alec Dardis with 10 seconds to go in the half. Brooks Curran added his section extra point, that's where we stand at 19 to 14, Princeton with the lead here at halftime. Offensively in the first half, Mason had nine first downs to four for Princeton. Uh, Vikings had 155 yards to 154 for Mason. On the ground, Mason carried 18 times for 46 yards through the air. Brown was nine of 16 for 108 yards and one, and actually he was not intercepted. Dardis was intercepted by uh, MJ Horton on a uh, jet sweep halfback or jet sweep option pass down by the goal line. During Durham, four of seven in the first half for 120 yards passing and one interception. Princeton only rushed for 35 yards on 14 carries in the first half. Individually, McCormick led Mason with nine carries for 44 yards. Thomas Boyd led uh, Princeton with only 14 yards on seven carries. Receiving-wise, Nick Molinari, four catches for 53 yards, and Dardis had four for 53 for Mason. Princeton had Sterling Burkhalter with two catches for 90 yards in that first half of play. Big score to pass along in the GMC tonight. That showdown for first place in the conference championship between Fairfield and Colerain. Midway through the third quarter, Fairfield has upped its lead to 10-3 to over Colerain. Colerain, of course, has won 82 straight games in the Greater Miami Conference heading into tonight, dating back to 2008. Late second quarter, St. X with a 28-6 lead. That's Cincy St. X with a 28-6 lead over Louisville St. Xavier. And LaSalle at the half over Elder 27-6. How about the Lancers? So that's where we stand at the moment. We've got one more to pass along to you. And it is, how about this? This is a big one for Hamilton. Hamilton controls its own destiny. With a win, Hamilton is definitely in. And still get it with a loss. But the big blue right now at the half trails Lakota East 14 to seven. So that's one of the big games tonight. Of course, big one here because Mason needs a win. And then maybe a little help like Hamilton losing to get in the playoffs themselves. So we get set to start the second half with producer engineer Zach Waddell. I'm Richard Skinner. Glad you could be with us. It's a cold night, but not a raw night. Kind of a footballish night. Good part is not a lot of wind to speak of. We do broadcast outside. Brought the portable heater with me tonight. He's doing a little bit of the trick. Brooks Kern will kick it away. Princeton going left to right as you look at your listening device to start the second half. Kern stumped a couple to the end zone for touchbacks. Moves on this one. He sends away a nice high end over end kick. It's going to be fielded by Bowers back on the one. Starts straight ahead up the right hash mark across the 10, 15 to the 20, breaks through a tackle up to the outside, 25, 30, 35, breaks through another tackle at the 40 and runs out of bounds. He lowered the boom on Curran, the kicker who came over to try to tackle him. And a nice return for Leroy Bowers. He'll mark him at the 40-yard line, it looks like. Now make it the 39 where Princeton will start its first offensive possession of the second half, leading 19 to 14. Vikings had a hard time running the ball in that first half of play. They open up with two receivers to the right, Harrison Matthews, or make it Har yeah, Harrison Matthews. Burkhalter to the left, and they'll hand it off to Matthews on the jet sweep running left. Gets to the outside, the 35, and then he has stood up and dropped 
at the 35-yard line in his tracks. Jack Haglidge, the linebacker, had an interception in the first half. Boy, he got stoned, actually, at the 40. I said 35. There's a penalty against Princeton, I believe. Illegal block in the back here. So it goes from bad to worse for Princeton. Haglidge had a good first half, four tackles and that interception. The flag is against the Vikings. So Princeton can flag. The legal shift is the call. And they'll take the penalty, make it first and 15. Thought you might take the play, make it second and about 10, but they say, no, we'll take the penalty and probably the right decision. So two receivers right, the short side of the field. They're on the hash mark that way. Matthews in the slot inside Harris. Burke Culture wide left. Four-man front, the three linebackers very close behind him. Here's the shotgun snap. Handoff comes to Thomas Boyd trying to run right. Breaks one tackle and can't quite get through the others. He gets it up to the 40-yard line. That goes to the penalty yardage back. There to come up and tripping up was Jack Molinari, who we saw a lot in the first half as a receiver as a tight end doing a great job, but also has played on the defensive side of things. Give him back to the 39. So that's the original line of scrimmage, basically. And it'll be second and 10 from there after the pickup of five yards. Taking a little bit of time here on this opening drive. Burkhalter to the left again, slot to the right with Matthews inside of Harris. Out of the gun, now Matthews goes in motion. They're gonna fake it. Durham drops to throw, flushed out, looking left, guns it left, and it's gonna be well short. And now a late flag comes in. I think Prince is gonna get caught for a late hit on Paris Johnson. Johnson knocked the Mason player down well after the pass was incomplete. It short hopped the intended receiver, Burkhalter. And if it is, this is going to be either unsportsmanlike or a personal foul late hit against Princeton, and it'll come after the play. So it should be third down. It'll be third and long if that's the case. And Princeton has had this happen to them at times this year. They come up with inopportune penalties. The offsides in the first half, certainly one of those. And here comes another one in a moment. Officials still trying to sort it out. And it's going to be dead ball, personal foul against Princeton. So that'll bark it off and it'll be include the play. So it'll be third and forever now. This one gets all the way marked to the 24 yard line and they gotta get up almost to the 50 for the first down. It'll be third and 25. Opening minute, 19 seconds of the second half. Princeton up 19-14, but in a big hole in their first series of the half. This may just be a throw it up and hope or run the screen game. Although the screen got intercepted in the first half. They kinda got Mason back in this game at least from a field position perspective, and now a whistle. Not sure what the holdup is here. All right, we're good to go. Two receivers to the right, Matthews the slot guy. Durham in the shotgun, now he sends Matthews in motion. Or make it false, so they hand it off to him on a jet sweep running left. Across the 25 to the 30 and tackled at the 31 yard line, so he didn't get very far as Angelo Foster ran the jet sweep. As Michael Rue, along with Chase Vanelli, who made the tackle and Princeton have to put it away. And it'll be Tamir Matthews to stand in punt formation and Nolan McCormick stands back in single safety to await it at about his own 40 yard line. Matthews stands at about his 17, Jamel Wimpy to snap it. So Mason gonna get the football down five here. And a chance to drive for the lead and they've got a win to have a hope to get in. Snap is a very lofty one. Matthews, though, gets the punt away. Very high and short. McCormick signals for a fair catch and takes it on his own 46-yard line. So that punt covers only 22 yards, and it's great field position here for Mason in its own 46 with 9.50 to go in the third. And the Vikings lead it 19-14 now. So for all the world, it looked for a moment late in that first half, Princeton was going to get a chance to take 
real control of this game, up 19-7 with the football, but then threw an interception and did nothing with it to start their opening drive of the second half. Colin Brown will go under center. He's got Molinari on a wing right. Darius just outside of him. Cooper wide left. McCormick the lone running back. Brown takes it, turns, hands McCormick straight ahead. He comes big hole across the 50. Far side near the first down and then some as he runs through one tackle and gets inside the 45 to the 44-yard line before he's finally stood up and whistles will blow there to blow it dead. But McCormick rolls off a 12-yard gain on a first down to the Princeton 44-yard line. Gives the comments a first down. Nothing fancy there. They just lined up in kind of a power set with a single setback, and McCormick got a big hole off right guard. So first down, Mason from the Princeton 44 now. Off the hash mark to the right, Dardis comes wide left with his receiving partner out that way. Wesselblatt, Cooper goes wide right, Molinari on a wing right. Handoff goes to Cooper, and this time he's going to be dropped for a loss back at the 45-yard line. Darian Henry, one of the ones to get through there on the bottom of the pile, getting up Joshua Younger. And McCormick will lose a yard to the 45 as we'll officially mark it. Second and 11. Mason still in its huddle, looking over to the sideline to get the call. Brown now gets it, goes in the huddle. Still 25 on the 40-second play clock, so plenty of time here. Ball just inside the right hash mark. Cooper goes wide right. Wessel Blatt and Dardis come to the left. McCormick to the left of Brown in the shotgun. Molinari the tight end set left. Brown from the gun, takes the snap, drops to throw, looks left, those left, it's caught by Wesselblatt at the 40, breaks the tackle there, inside the 35, down to the 34-yard line. And that should be enough for the first down. Jay Roberson and John Harris combined on the stop, and that is enough for a Mason first down to the Princeton 34-yard line. And Princeton down a couple of defensive backs. Caleb Crawford, who got hurt early in this game, and does not return, and Jaden Scarborough, who got hurt last week, has his arm in a sling on senior night. They introduced him, but he's not playing. So down a couple of corners. Two receivers to the right, the open side, one to the left from the shotgun. McCormick to the right of Brown, takes the snap, in some pressure in a hurry. Going to roll right, throw right, throws it towards the sideline, just throws it away. He was getting chased from behind by Darian Henry and Leroy Bowers. Bowers came on the blitz. Henry just beat his man. Chased down by number 19, Darian Henry. Henry's a good football player. He is going to be a good one at Ohio State. He's got a motor, he's got size, he's gonna get bigger, he can run. He's been fairly unblockable in this game. We've got a, a lot of quick passing game they've done. They've doubled him a bunch and times they've single blocked him, here he's come. Cooper and Dardis go wide right, the open side. Wessel Black to the left. McCormick to the right of Brown in the shotgun on second and 10 from the Princeton 34, opening four minutes of the second half. Brown takes the shotgun snap, fakes it, throws a slant, caught by Dardis on a dive down at the 21 yard line. Well, he extended way out to get that one, Alec Dardis. And it's a first down, Mason, down to the 21-yard line. That was a great grab. And Mason going to go with tempo. Russell Blatt and Dardis go left. Cooper goes right. McCormick to the right of Brown in the gun. Takes the handoff. Runs straight ahead. Runs through a hole and down to the 15 as he's banged down there. Kevin Suttles knocked him down. They'll mark it at the 16, actually. So a gain of five. Number 12, John Harris. Number two, Kevin Suttles, Jr. 19-14, Princeton clinging to a lead, and Mason driving here early second half. They have it second and five from the Princeton 16. So we approach 7.22 to, to go here in the third. Cooper, the 6-6 receiver, goes right. Dardis and Wesselblatt left. New running back in the game to the left is Longworth to the left of Brown in the shotgun. Waits the snap, looks at a five-man front, takes it. 
Drops the throw, looks right, throws it out that way to Cooper, makes the catch at the 12, and he's tackled right away, but right near the first down marker. Really nice open field tackle by Jay Roberson, but that's, yep, they're gonna make it a yard shy. It'll be at the 13 yard line, it'll be third and one. And they mark it at the 12, it's, they gotta get just inside the 12 for the first down, so it's probably less than a yard. The third, we'll call it one from there. Mason, send Dardis and Cooper to the right, short side of the field. They have, they're in the Wildcat again. McCormick gonna take the Wildcat snap. So he's standing in the quarterback position now. Brown not in there at the moment. And Princeton jumped off sides. So they gave him the free five, and Princeton's done it now twice. They had a fourth and 10, they jumped off sides. They basically kept the drive alive late in the second quarter, and here they jump off sides and give him a free five on third and one. It'll now be first and goal for Mason. And they'll mark it down around uh, the seven or so yard line. That's from the running back. Blake McCormick lining up, or Nolan McCormick, excuse me, lining up as the Wildcat quarterback. So first and goal for Mason at the seven of Princeton. On the hash mark to the right, Brown back in there at quarterback. Cooper goes right short side of the field. Wessel Black, Dardis wide left. Molinari, the tight end, lines up on a wing left. And McCormick to the left of Brown is in the shotgun. Looks at a five-man front. Now Molinari sets to a wing right now. Brown lets him get set, takes the shotgun snap, drops the throw, pump fakes, throws a deep corner to the left-hand side for Dardis, touchdown! He might have pushed off, but boy, that was a great throw by Colin Brown to Alec Dardis. Their second touchdown connection of the night. Brown's third touchdown of the night. And Mason, down 19-7, to has come off the mat, now leads Princeton 20-19 to with 6-12 to go here in the third. That was a pretty throw and catch. Dardis might have shoved off, but... Nonetheless, Colin Brown couldn't have made a better throw, and Dardis ran a perfect corner route on it to get the touchdown. Now Brooks Kern, who's two for two on extra points, will try to make it a two-point lead. As Dardis will do the holding. Lines down. Snap back, good one. The hold is down. The kick on the way by Kern has plenty of leg, and it's true. And so with 6-12 to go, Mason has ripped off 14 unanswered points. It's now Mason 21, Princeton 19, midway through this third quarter. You're listening to Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. London Computer Systems is a seven-time top workplace thanks to their top Cincinnati workforce. For three decades, LCS has been a leading provider of critical business technologies, including their signature property management software, Rent Manager. Take the next step in your career and join this award-winning workforce. Visit www.lcs.com slash careers today. Welcome back here to Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium. 6-12 to go, third quarter. Mason has roared back to take a 21-19 lead. Brooks Kern to kick it away to... D'Angelo Foster on the far side, Leroy Bowers on the near side. Kern moves on the football, and he thumps another long one that is going to sail well into the end zone, about seven yards deep and bounce through for an automatic touchback. And now Princeton's got to get its offense back rolling again. Vikings have only four first downs in the game. It's really been one drive that ended in a 10-yard, a 60-play drive that ended in a 10-yard touchdown pass from Durham to Burkhalter, and then the 80-yard bomb to Burkhalter have done it. It's been pretty much the offense tonight. It's struggled to run it. They struggle to sustain drives. Maybe they get a big play to start this drive. Burkhalter's going to open it wide to the left. 
Foster and Harris to the right. Foster the slot man. They usually send him in motion. Boyd the running back to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Drops the throw on a play action. Looking left. Looking left all the way. Now flushed. Rolling left. Still on the move. Now he's going to run across the 20 and run out of bounds at about the 23-yard line. Short pickup of three yards for Dorian Durham. He wanted to throw it off the play action. Faked it to Boyd, but... Mason doing a good job in the secondary, so just a short gain of three, but it is a gain. Make it second and seven, Princeton. Harris doesn't go to the huddle. He just looks to the sideline. Durham comes halfway over, just outside the hash mark. He now goes back in the huddle to tell the other nine players what the play is. They're on the hash mark to the left. Foster and Harris go to the right. Foster the slot man, Burke Coulter to the left. Kind of like a two deep zone here. Durham claps his hands, drops to throw, sets his feet, looks left, going to fire on an out, and falling down was the receiver, Burkhalter. He collided with the corner in coverage on that side and went down to the turf. That was Brady Camello. And it goes incomplete, and Princeton very quickly faces the third down, third and seven from its own 23s. Suddenly becomes a big third down for Princeton on offense. They don't get this. They'll go three and out on each of their first two possessions to start the half. And really, you go back to the end of the first half, this would be three straight three and outs for this offense. Same formation. Two receivers right, one to the left. Boyd to the right of Durham in the gun. Takes the snap, fakes it to Boyd, drops the throw. Now he's flushed in some pressure. And he just is going to have to throw it away to the near sideline. It goes out of play incomplete. Nobody home, and Mason gets a three and out. And boy, its defense has really locked up this Princeton offense. For the most part tonight, but three straight three and outs by the Mason defense. And Tamir Matthews will have to punt it back away to Mason with 5.49 to go in the third. And Nolan McCormick stands inside Princeton territory at the 48 to await the punt. Mason going to get great field position out of this. And now he drops back on the other side, but still should get good field position. Jamel Wimpy to snap it. Again, his snaps don't have a lot of zip on it, but he's gotten them back there so far tonight. Pretty good order. Another floating snap, Matthews catches it and punts it away. Very short punt, McCormick gonna try to come over and field it, but it's gonna bounce. Takes a Princeton bounce inside the 50, inside the 45 in Mason territory and rolled dead at about the 43 yard line. So now the Princeton defense needs to get a stop. 5.37 to go here in the third. It's offense with just four first downs in this game for Princeton. The Mason defense coming into tonight was allowing 5.6 yards per carry, 212.7 yards per game on the ground, but passing-wise, just 108 yards per game through the air. It's been a pretty stingy passing defense, but Princeton has not been able to run it for the darn tonight. So in this formation, they're gonna come with two tight ends. They bring a second tight end, that's the linebacker, Haglidge. So he's the second tight end, one receiver each way. Brown of the shotgun has McCormick to his right. Waits the shotgun snap. Takes it, hands it to McCormick, and he's tripped up and got back to maybe the line of scrimmage. Look at he tripped on his own lineman. Gene Thomas got some penetration, but look at he tripped over Jackson Norman, the left with a tackle. They're making a gain of a yard to the 45. Second and nine for Mason from the Comets 45 yard line on the hash mark to the left. They're gonna stay with the power formation, two tight ends. Send Dardis wide right, the open side. Cooper comes to the close side, the left. McCormick now, actually Brown's gonna go under center. McCormick the lone running back behind him. 
nine man front. Brown drops to throw, looks right, fires a deep four, the receiver, Dardis, who dives and can't quite get it off his fingertips. That was a tough catch. Jay Roberson had the man covers. Dardis almost made another dandy. He's made a couple tonight. But instead it goes incomplete. It'll make it third and nine for Mason. This is where you gotta get off the field. If you're Princeton. Take one of the tight ends out. I think they brought the extra wide receiver back in, I believe, Wexelblatt. See when they break the huddle. Yeah, Wexelblatt goes wide right. Dardis and Cooper gonna come left. Brown stands in the shotgun with McCormick to his right, looking at a five-man Princeton front on third and nine. Now Dardis goes in motion left to right. Brown rolls right to throw. Looking right, looking, still looking. Now Brown's gonna tuck it and run it. He's gonna get across the 45. Far side, he's gonna be stopped well short of the first down. Tell you when Dardis made his out cut, what a great job. I don't know who the defender was. The defender just knocked him to the ground well within the five-yard limit. That took the timing of the play. Brown was looking his way, and when his receiver got knocked down, he decided to tuck it and run. Comes up five yards short of the first down. It'll be fourth and five. They leave the offense out there, but the quarterback, Brown, who throws right-handed, Colin Brown, but we've seen him punt it numerous times from that long extended shotgun. He punts it left-footed. He's in the gun right now with McCormick in front of the left. That would probably signify punt. Two receivers right, one to the left, and now a delay of game gonna be the call against Mason. So now they'll probably be in punt formation for sure, but you never know. They've been in the fourth and longs a couple times tonight and lined up in really an offensive set for the most part. So back Mason up five yards to their own 44 where they'll punt it away. Leroy Bowers is back in single safety. He's almost popped a couple tonight. Princeton could use some kind of spark with 4.12 to go here in the third. Their offense has sputtered. Three straight three and outs. They break out of the huddle with Cooper to the right. Dardis on a wing right. And Wexelblatt wide left again in that deeper shotgun. Now Dardis goes in motion right to left. Brown takes the snap and he's going to fake it. They're going to run a fake. He throws a pass out to the right. It's incomplete. They went ahead and went with a fake punt on fourth and 10 from their own 44. What in the world? And Prince is going to get great field position with 4.06 to go in the third. I mean, Mason's defense has shut him to three three and outs. I guess you trust your defense here. But at the same point in time, why give Princeton an inkling of hope? You give him great field position at the 44. You know, Brian Kasser has a lot of faith in his defense, apparently. So Brown through the pavement. That was caught. It was well short. McCormick had to dive to try to catch it. So from the 44, Princeton with double slots each way. Boyd to the right of Durham in the gun. Takes the snap, drops the throw, pump fakes, one to throw long, nothing there. Dancing around, trying to be on the move. Flush left, looking, fires it on the run, and it's going to be dropped at the 31-yard line as Sterling Burkhalter came back for it and couldn't hang on. That was a pretty good job by Durham, and actually not a bad throw. Burkhalter tried to dive to get it and actually had in his hands for a moment, but it went off his fingertips incomplete. Since almost all but have given up on the running game. It just hasn't gone anywhere tonight. Second and 10. Harris not even in the huddle. He's wide right the open side of the field. D'Angelo Foster will join him in the slot. Jamar Matthews in the slot inside of Burkhalter to the left. Boyd to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Looks at just a four-man front. Now in motion goes Matthews to the right. Three receivers that way. And Durham going to roll that way. And he cannot because Princeton had a false start up front. So five-yard penalty for the Vikings. Second and 15. 
from the 49 of Mason after Mason's fake punt on fourth and 10 went awry. 3.55 to go, clock stopped in the third. Mason 21, Princeton 19. Princeton led at one point 19 to seven after trailing seven nothing. Mason's defense has not given up a first down in the last three plus series. And as Princeton in a tough spot to get one here. Vikings face with a second and 15 as they break the huddle with 20 on the play clock. Double slots each way again. Boyd to the right of Durham in the gun. Boyd wearing bright yellow gloves on his hands. Now in motion to the right goes Matthews. They roll that way to throw it. Durham on the move, has plenty of room, no pressure yet. Now fires it deep up the sideline to Foster. And he couldn't quite adjust to make the catch. He turned around just in time, but then jumped a hair too early to get it. Coverage back there provided by Ryan Kaplinger. So the incomplete pass will make it third and 15 Princeton with 3.45 to go in the third. They can get nothing going offensively. Had one first down in the first quarter, three in the second quarter, none so far here in the third. And if they don't get a first down here, it would be four straight three and outs for this offense. Dating back to the one where they were pinned back at their own two late in the first half after that great interception by MJ Horton who was playing in the safety spot. Trip set to the right this time, the open side. One receiver left, Burkhalter. Actually make it four receivers. Boyd gonna line up that way as well. Durham from the gun, takes the snap, drops the throw. Has some time, looks over the middle and then just lost the football. Picks it back up. He's trying to run with it, now dances to the right. He's still on the move, fires a pass that's gonna be caught but well short of the first down. down. Now they say incomplete. Durham pump faked and when he did, he dropped the football. They said that play was still alive so Durham picked it up. Kept the play alive and then threw a pass to D'Angelo, or made Jamar Matthews, who almost caught it at the 42, would have been well short of the first down. So as it is, Princeton gonna have to put it away once again. So a fourth straight three and out as Nolan McCormick drops back to his own 20 to wait the Tamir Matthews punt. The problem is this defense not getting any rest. The offense not controlling the ball for long. They're not taking up any time on the clock. Snap back to Matthews is a good one. It's away a very high short punt that McCormick fair catches at the 20-yard line. And now we got a penalty flag, and I think Matthews, did he get rough back there? He may have. There's a flag right back where he was punting from as Jackson Orlando was back there with him. Did they get a roughing the punter or a running into the punter or a personal foul after the play? Let's see. Right now the ball at the 21-yard line of the Comets after the fair catch. Let's see what this penalty is going to be. Princeton thinks it's going to send its offense back out there. If so, this would be a bad penalty on Mason after its defense has just dominated for the last almost quarter of full time. Official's still talking about it. I was watching the fair catch, and then all of a sudden heard a ruckus going on back where the punter was, and there was an Orlando back there with Matthews. Still no call yet, no signal yet from the official. We're waiting for it. Maybe this is going to be a post-possession penalty where Mason would keep it, but they'd be backed up half the distance to their goal. That's what Mike Daniels, I think, is signifying. Let's see what the call is. Still not seeing a signal yet. Here it comes. It's going to be running into the kicker. Five-yard variety. And Princeton's going to decline it. So it'll be first down to 21. So no harm, no foul as they just ran into him. The five-yard variety, not the roughing, the 15-yard variety. So the Comets will have it on their own 21 with 322 to go in the third. Mason up 21-19. And the scenario is this. Princeton's already clinched the playoff spot. Probably can get no higher than a five seed. 
likely, though, even with a win, would finish as a sixth seed, but a loss, coupled with a Hamilton win, could drop them into the seventh seed territory. Well, it doesn't matter. You're playing either Elder, Fairfield, X, or Coleraine at, at their place in the first round. It's a tough game no matter what, but you'd like to carry momentum of a three-game winning streak into it. Trip set to the left. Princeton with a five-man front. Brown in the shotgun, takes the snap, fakes it, going to swing it out to Dardis at the 18-yard line, makes the catch, runs across the 20 to the 25, and takes a tackler up to the 27-yard line. That was Leroy Bowers who made the stop. That pass from Brown was complete to number 18. Christian Kilgus, no, actually, Dardis, helping out there on the tackle. Nine, it was Iron Love who was in there in defense. It is. Good gainer, though, of about six yards up to the 27-yard line inside three minutes to go in the third. Artis goes right with Wexelblatt. Rogers lines up to the left, or Cooper, excuse me, lines up to the left. Jack Cooper, the 6'6 wide receiver. Here's a play action pass, though, in the slant to Cooper. Catches and breaks a tackle 35 to the 40 and planted at the 42 yard line. MJ Horton up from the safety spot to make the stop. Not before a nice pitch and catch on the slant. Now Mason going to go with that up tempo offense again. Cooper goes wide right, the open side. Wexelblatt, Dardis to the left in a slot. And here's a handoff to McCormick, running straight ahead, winds it back to his right, has a running room, across the 45 to the 50, slides through a tackler down to the 46-yard line in Princeton territory. Nolan McCormick started left, wound it back off right guard, and back comes Mason to the line of scrimmage. Now Mike Daniels, he did it in the first half, he wants to slow that tempo down, he takes a timeout. We're going to take a timeout with him. 2.18 to go in the third. Mason leads Princeton 21-19. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Filling an opening at your company means more than just finding an employee. You're looking for a fit, a match. Robert Half understands that. We know you need someone who can do the work, someone who complements your culture. And, of course, you need that someone fast. When it all comes together, it makes for a perfect fit. Satisfaction guaranteed. Robert Half, the matching experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Visit roberthalf.com radio for more information. Here on a very chilly Friday night of high school football, final regular season week at Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium here at Princeton High School. Mason has it first and 10 on the Princeton 46, up 21-19. Callan Brown in the shotgun. Takes the shotgun snap, fakes a handoff. He's going to keep it himself off the right side. Has running room 45-40, far side 35-30, cuts back 25-20. Down to the 15 and the 14-yard line he goes. Callan Brown faked the handoff and just kept it off the right side. There's a Princeton player. I think Kevin Suttle slow to get up. Actually, Leroy Bowers slow to get up. And a first down Mason at the Princeton 14. Here's a handoff. McCormick running left. Runs inside the 10 to the 8-yard line. Gained six yards. Jaheim Thomas made the stop. Not before a six-yard gain by Nolan McCormick. And Mason up 21-19 and knocking on the door with a minute 40 to go here in the third. Senior night for Princeton, 25 seniors trying to end the regular season with a win. They're going to the playoffs no matter what, but you'd like the momentum of what would be a three-game winning streak, but right now that's in jeopardy. Mason is dominated after trailing 19-7. Wexel Blatt, Dardis go wide right, Molinari on a wing right, Cooper wide left. Now Molinari sets to the left. 
Here's a shotgun snap. Brown takes it, fakes it to McCormick, and then gets it down to the seven for a short gain of maybe a yard. Actually in there, a wide receiver, Eli Jordan on that last play in place of Jack Cooper. We are now under a minute to go in the third. It'll be third and about two from the Princeton seven for Mason. Huge play right here with Princeton trying to hold him to at least maybe a field goal attempt. Down two at the moment. Jordan stays in the game, goes wide right. Wexelblatt and Dardis wide left. Wexelblatt the slot man. Brown's gonna go under center. Now Molinari goes in motion right to left. Turn, here's a bootleg to the right. Brown on the move, has Molinari wide open at the five, makes the catch, bounces off the tackler, runs to the front pylon and scores the touchdown. Jack Molinari's second touchdown reception of the night. Colin Brown's fourth touchdown pass. And with 28 seconds to go in the third, Mason has now scored 20 unanswered points and the Comets lead the Vikings 27-19. That's the second time Molinari scored off that bootleg. The first time it was with Brown bootlegging to his left, dumped it off in the flat. That time going to his strong side, the right. And both times, didn't matter which way they went, Molinari with the tight end wide open in the flat. Coming off the wing, gets the touchdown as Brooks Kern, a perfect three for three on the night on extra points, trying to go four for four. Alec Dardis the holder, good snap back. The hold is a good one, the kick, ooh, did he shank that one? No, he didn't, boy, he hooked it, but he hooked it just inside the left upright. And that's a big extra point, because with 28 seconds to go in the third, the score is now Mason 28, Princeton 19. Princeton's gonna need to get something going here in the last quarter plus. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media. It's powered by Sidearm Sports. Loveland Chiropractic Office has been treating patients in the Loveland area since 1921. We have generations of experience that continue to lead the field in chiropractic care. With our experience, we have high level of success with acute injuries as well as chronic conditions. You can find us online at lovelandchiro.com. That's lovelandchiro.com. And on Facebook. Princeton led it 1.19 to seven with 7.17 to go in the first half, but since then, 21 straight Mason points. As Brooks Curran moves on the football, sends away another high end over end kick that Bowers will field at the three. Runs up the right hash mark across the 10, cuts back middle 15, across the 20, 25, 30. Makes another step, makes a move, gets through one tackle and takes it all the way to the 40 yard line. Leroy Bowers, showing some good moves on the kickoff return, gets a 37 yard return in Princeton with 20 seconds to go. Barring an incompletion, we'll have one more play here in the third quarter. And they're gonna go, it looks like, the whole quarter without a first down. They have gone their last four series without a first down. Have just four for the game. Starting the hash mark to the right. Two receivers, Burke Halter and Jamar Matthews wide left. D'Angelo Foster and Rodney Harris wide right. Boyd to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Now in motion going behind the formation, but they hand it off to Boyd, running straight ahead. And he bangs his way up to the 45 for a nice gain of five yards. Time they ran Jamar Matthews behind the formation when he went in motion, behind the quarterback and the running back. Number seven, Thomas Boyd. And that's going to do it for this third quarter of play. Princeton will not get another playoff, down to three seconds. And they're going to have to make a nice comeback here in the fourth quarter on senior night. And what a senior night it would be if they could do that. 
Princeton went the whole third quarter without getting a first down. Mason rolled off 14 points in the quarter. They rolled off 21 unanswered. And after three quarters of play, the score is Mason 28, Princeton 19 as we go to quarter number four. You're listening to Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. For over 55 years, Miller Valentine has worked in close collaboration with businesses when they are ready to build, renovate, or expand. Choosing Miller Valentine as your construction partner means aligning yourself with passionate experts who recognize the value of a team approach. Having grown from a small general contractor to a nationally recognized construction company, Miller Valentine listens closely to your needs to recommend the best combination of construction techniques to fit your project. For more information about Miller Valentine Group, please visit us at www.mvg.com. First play of the fourth quarter, Princeton's fumbled it away as Dorian Durham faked the handoff, looked like they were gonna run a reverse and he just lost control of it. Jack Hagledge, who had an interception in the first half, has the fumble recovery on the first play of the fourth quarter and Mason will take over on the Princeton 43 yard line. Boy, has this game turned around completely. It has done a total 180 from where it was midway through the second quarter. Holy cow. So now the defense for Princeton has to get something done and they've been unable to stop this Mason offense for a while. Mason starts on the Princeton 42 yard line. Cooper comes wide right, Dardis, Wexelblatt to the left. Brown's gonna stand in the shotgun with Nolan McCormick to his right. He's got the tight end Molinari on a wing right. Now he goes in motion to the wing left, sets himself, snap comes back, hand off McCormick, off left guard he goes, and off left guard he goes nowhere, right in the arms of big Yashua Younger, the six foot, 355 pound sophomore defensive tackle was there to swallow him whole. Gave him forward progress of a yard to the 41, that's generous. So one yard pickup, Paris Johnson's gonna come in on defense and Younger's gonna come out. Trying to get a little more athleticism in there, but Younger did a nice job defensively to stuff the run, which is what they're asking him to do. In no hurry to get out of the huddle here is Mason. They now get to the line of scrimmage with 10 on the play clock. Brown's going to go from under center, turns, pitch back to McCormick, running left, trying to get to the corner, does so at the 40, slips through one tackle, breaks through another, and goes out of bounds right near the first down. Well, he, there was not much corner. They operated that into the short side of the field on a toss sweep. And he somehow got the corner and then scored it up the sideline. They actually marked him out at the 35. That's a little bit of a break. It's three yards shy of a first down. It'll be third and three Mason from there. Just 53 seconds is all we've played here in the fourth. 28-19, rather Mason with the lead. Off the hash mark to the left. Cooper, Wexelblatt, and Dardis all come to the open side. The tight end lined up on the line of scrimmage. Molinari on the right side. Now Dardis goes in motion right to left. Brown in the shotgun, takes the snap, handoff McCormick, runs straight ahead, has the first down of Moore, inside the 30, down to the 25, and tackled right there. Nola McCormick rips off a good run, up to make the tackle, Kevin Suttles Jr. from the secondary. And that's a first down for Mason at the Princeton 25-yard line. All right, touchdown here. But technically, even with the extra point, it would still be a two-possession game. Thanks, Dan. Dan Wright bringing us with the stats. And again, Princeton just the four first downs through three quarters. They've been out gained now in the game, 287, 176. Mason 17 first downs to four for Princeton. Cooper goes to the left. Wexelblatt 
Dardis to the right. Molinari the tight end on a wing right. They usually reset him on this play. They don't yet. Brown waits the shotgun snap. And it's a high one. He catches it and then goes down himself at the 31-yard line. He just made sure he got the football back as the shotgun snap was high. That was almost a big break for Princeton as it is. It's going to be a loss of six to the 31. Second down. Harding comes in. Younger had been in for a moment. He comes back out as Harding comes back in as they try to get the pass rush group on there. Henry, Harding, and Paris Johnson, the three defensive linemen in this 3-4 defense. Down under 10 minutes we crawl. Play clock down to 20 as Mason just now comes out of the huddle. Cooper to the right. Wexelblatt and Dardis very tight to the left and Molinari on a wing that way from under center. Brown takes it, hands it straight ahead, comes Longworth who's in there, bounces off one tackler, bounces off another, bounces off another. He's out of the 10 to the five and he goes in for the touchdown. That was just bad tackling. He ran through about four or five different tackles on the way to the end zone goes Joe Longworth for a 31 yard Mason touchdown and they have dominated the last two quarters of football. That was just a lot of arm tackling going on right there. And Longworth goes 31 yards for the TD. And Mason, which had to win to have a chance to get in, looks all the world like they're gonna do so. As Kern will attempt the point after with Dardis holding. Snaps a good one to hold down. The kick by Kern is up and it is very much good. There's 9.38 to go in the game. It's still technically a two possession game. But Princeton hasn't gotten a first down since the second quarter. It's now Mason 35, Princeton 19. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, and it's powered by Sidearm Sports. This is Jerry Snodgrass, Executive Director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. One of my long-standing goals is to help people understand that high school sports are about so much more than wins and losses. The OHSAA promotes education-based athletics, where sports are an extension of the classroom. Our schools all want to win. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it's all about sportsmanship, leadership, and making certain that academics are a priority. Thank you for your support of high school sports in Ohio. This senior night for Princeton, 25 seniors playing their last home football game, not going the way they would have liked. It looked like it was going to up 19-7 midway through the second quarter. Since then, Mason's ripped off 28 straight points. It'll be Brooks Kern to kick it away to Bowers and Foster. It's a high end over end kick that Foster's gonna go field on his own three. Runs straight ahead across the five, 10 angles left across the 15, across the 20 and up to the 24 yard line before he's tackled right there. Making a nice tackle, Kate Nevins around the legs. So it'll be a first down for Princeton, still looking for its first first down of the second half. Princeton came in with that great win last week over Lakota West to clinch their first playoff since 2007. Looked like that momentum was going to continue after going up 19 to seven here, but they have done nothing offensively since. Have not run the ball. Against the defense, giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground. So out of the shotgun, Dorian Durham sends a man in motion behind him, takes it, pump fakes it, wants to throw it deep, throws it for Burkhalter, who's out there, and he's got it at the 40-yard line and down to the 35 in Mason territory. He beat double coverage as back there was Ryan Kaplinger along with Michael, who was that back there? That was... Caden Evans, I guess, back there too. That's a big gainer for Princeton down to the Mason 38-yard line. 
So first, first down for Princeton in the second half comes on a big deep ball. Double slot each way off the hash mark to the left. Derman, the gun, has Price to his right, takes it, fakes it. They're going to run the reverse. Here comes Foster trying to swing it wide left, breaks one tackle at the 40, and he's not going to break a second one. It's Haglidge, the Navy-bound linebacker, just grabbed him around the upper shoulder pads and slung him to the ground. He's had a great night. He's a good-looking linebacker. Has an interception off a screen pass, has a fumble recovery. 6'3", 205 pounds. Play a little bit of offense at tight end when they've gone to their power formation, but really linebacker's where he plays. That's the play, the reverse right there. They ran it. They were going to run it, look like before, and the play where Durham fumbled on the last series. Double slots each way. Price stays in the game to the right of Durham in the shotgun. Now Matthews goes in motion to the right. They fake it, dropping, looking to throw. Durham has a man wide open to the right flat. It's Matthews. He makes the catch. Heads to the far sideline, 35. 33 and out of bounds, down around the 32, maybe the 32. If they mark it, no, they'll mark him out at the 33. It's a five yard gain as Matthews went behind the quarterback when he went in motion. He's taking that big wide sweeping motion. Clock stop with 8.15 to go. Princeton down now 16 points, so technically two scores would be two touchdowns and two two point conversions. But that's kind of a pipe dream when they just picked up their first first down since midway through the second quarter on the deep ball moments ago from Dorian Durham to Sterling Burkhalter. Burkhalter, by the way, now on the night has 132 yards unofficially receiving. Here's a shotgun snap. Durham hands it off. Price runs straight ahead, bounces off one blocker, gets it inside the 30 and takes the pile with him down to about the 29 and a half. And I think he's going to be just a, just a hair shy of the first down. But it's going to be fourth and... About a yard to go for it from the 29 of Mason. Inside eight minutes to go. So you line up Durham under center and sneak this thing forward. Thomas Boyd, though, the big back's going to come in. And Price has to go out. Now Boyd's going to go out. And Boyd has to sprint off. There's still plenty of time on the play clock, down to 19 seconds. Durham's going to go from the shotgun for some reason. And the snap goes way over his head. Durham's going to have to go back and get it and falls on at the 50-yard line. So instead of third and inches, or fourth and inches where you could have gone from under center and snuck it. They go out of the shotgun and snap it 15 miles over his head. And Princeton turns the ball over on downs. I mean, whether Durham tried to scoop that up or not, it didn't matter. Him falling on it ends the play because it was a fourth down play. And Mike Daniels is not the only coach that has his quarterbacks line up in the shotgun on third and fourth and inches. For all the world, I don't know why coaches do it. Seems like a logical thing is just get under center and wedge that thing forward. In high school football, usually you can get enough surge to get a half a yard. And that's about the last chance maybe Princeton's going to have with 7.31 to go because now Mason can work on some clock, and they've done a good job running the football tonight. So first down from the Mason 49. Brown's in the shotgun, takes the snap, hands McCormick off left guard. He plunges and doesn't plunge very, no, very well. He still does. He's still on his feet. Down inside the 45, he ran right into a brick wall right at the line of scrimmage. The problem was nobody tackled him. He just ran into a pile of players and then kept his legs moving forward. He got six yards down to the Princeton 45. This last two and a half quarters has been very frustrating for Princeton fans to watch. Again, the good news is Princeton, no matter what, going to the playoffs, and really no matter what, going to play a very difficult first-round road game, but well, this would be a deflating way to end your season getting steamrolled at home after having a 19-7 lead and looking sloppy in doing so. Not tackling, bad penalties, a bad snap. 
Down to five on the play clock. Brown taking a lot of time. Gets the snap with time off. Gives it off to McCormick. Off right guard he goes and doesn't get much. Shaheen Thomas, the UC bound linebacker, does a great job to get him from the backside. And Younger got some help, or Younger helped him as well. Got a yard down to the 44. It'll be third and three now for the Comets. And they won't have to snap this until there's under six minutes to go in the game. Play clock at 25, game clock at 618. And these great play clocks, this is such a great stadium here, Pat Mancuso Field, Jake Sweeney Automotive Group Stadium. They got those big play clocks on both end zones that the quarterbacks can easily look at and stare right at no matter which way you're going. Break the huddle with 10 seconds to go. Two receivers to the left, one to the right. Actually, they're gonna go out of the Wildcat. Brown, the quarterback lined up wide right. McCormick takes the shotgun snap, heads off left guard, first down and more inside the 40, and he runs through a tackler down to the 35-yard line. That's gonna be more than enough for a first down. Doing a good job to get low and make the tackle was MJ Horton, who's done a nice job back there in safety tonight for the most part. Has an interception, stuck his nose in there to make a couple tackles as well. But that's a first down that keeps the clock moving. Princeton has just two timeouts left. But if Mason caps this drive off with a touchdown, it's not gonna make any difference. That last drive was about the last golden opportunity on a fourth and inches from inside the 30. They go out of the shotgun and snap it over the quarterback's head. Receivers each way, two tight ends. Brown goes from under center with Longworth in there as the running back. He had a touchdown last time he touched it. Gets it right here, comes over right guard, and he bounces off the pile, still is on his feet, and still is on his feet as he takes tacklers inside the 30 to the 28-yard line. This Princeton defense doesn't look like it wants to be out there the last couple of series. Nobody really doing much tackling. And Joe Longworth, who is 5'10", 230 pounds, he looks like the bowling ball type. He's just steamrolling people. They can snap this with about 4.20 to go in the game. Just trying to chew up clock. Mason, with the win, would finish 5-5. Five and five. Opens up the very real possibility of them getting in the playoffs. They had to win to have a chance. A loss gave them none. They played like a desperate team over the last two and a half quarters. Brown from under center, looks at a seven-man front, and somebody up front jumped, I believe, for... Mason, and they did. It'll be a false start against the Comets with 4.27 to go in the game. Problem here is in high school football, unfortunately, this doesn't stop the clock. What happens is they'll put the ball down and restart the clock on the play clock. It's almost like you got an extra 25 or extra 40 seconds. Yeah, they're going to wind the clock. Now, you can stand there and waste another. I mean, honestly, you could almost, I, I, you could almost run out of football game doing this. I, I truly believe that. Which makes no sense to me. It's, it, it's the rule. It's the long time rule but really the offense has helped itself here by committing a penalty they can just run off some clock they won't snap this until about 350 to go now brown walks up looks at the play clock that still has 15 on it. i can't imagine he'd snap it anytime soon he's under center though with 13 down to 10 on the play clock and they do snap it a little earlier than what i thought handoff goes to longworth he's pinballing his way inside the 30 and back down to the 28 yard line Pick up six yards, and now we got an injured player, maybe? Official stop play. As there is an injured Mason player down. It's one of their offensive linemen, I believe. Clock stops with 3.46 to go, and Mason up 35 to 19. This timeout is sponsored by JM Simons. Second timeout with a 10 to the injured Mason player. We'll come back. 3.46, it's all that's left. Senior night gonna end, not going to end very well for Princeton, barring a miracle. It's Mason 35, Princeton 19. This is Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports.
At Robert Half, we know finding the right employees is a job in itself, and it's a job we love. You see, Robert Half isn't just a staffing firm, we're people. People who believe in finding the right people to fit your company's needs. Because employees who are a good fit are more productive, more engaged. Finding a great candidate isn't easy, but at Robert Half, we know it's possible. Robert Half, the experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Learn more at roberthalf.com slash radio. Back here at Princeton High School for the final 346 of this one. 35-19, Mason leads it. The big GMC showdown of the night tonight at Fairfield has Coleraine and Fairfield apparently going to overtime. Tied 10 all, Coleraine missing a field goal that would have won it. Trying for win number 83 in a row in the Greater Miami Conference. Here it's third and three, and Princeton might have got away with jumping. Brown turns, hands it off McCormick off left guard. He goes and goes nowhere, got maybe a yard down to the 28. And that is all. It'll be fourth and three. They were going to try Kern on a 50-yard field goal in the first half, but Princeton jumped off sides, and then they went for it. Mason didn't made it. They leave their offense out here right now. Actually, they didn't get anything. Fourth and four is what it's going to be. But by the time they snap this, they're going to be well under three minutes to go in the ballgame. And maybe Brown, Colin Brown, the quarterback, ran all the way to his head coach, and perhaps... As jumpy as Princeton's been tonight, they go with the hard count. Get to the line of scrimmage from the shotgun, two wideouts each way. From the shotgun on fourth and four. Down to five on the play clock. Brown, and now he takes a timeout. He was trying to get Princeton to jump, and the Vikings did a good job to hold their ground. And now we'll see what Brian Caster does on the fourth and four. With 2.50 to go in the game. Princeton does have two timeouts left, but... They would need some kind of miracle here. They need a stop and then two touchdowns and two two-point conversions just to tie the score. Again, the ramifications of that Fairfield game, if Fairfield wins, it clinches the number one overall seed. A loss, though, and with Elder losing, it opens the door for maybe X to finish as the one seed. I don't think Coleraine can jump all the way up, but maybe it's possible. And St. X leads Louisville St. X 28-16 in the third quarter. See if we get you a couple there. Zach Waddell doing a great job staying on top of the scores. Elder has pulled within 27-19 of LaSalle with 5.25 to go there. So they would need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So here we go. Fourth and four for Mason. Up 35-19 with 2.50 to go from the Princeton 29. Two wideouts right, one to the left. Colin Brown in the shotgun, takes the snap, looks right to throw, sets his feet, guns one down the field, broken up, and a nice job to come across and knock it away by Jay Roberson. That was a nice job by MJ Horton back there as well as he tried to fit the pass in on a deep, deep in route or almost a skinny post to Brett Wexelblatt. Had a nice job to come across and knock it away, so Princeton gets it back with 2.45 to go, just two timeouts left. I'm not so sure I just don't throw one down to Sterling Burkhalter and say, go make another play for me. He's made a couple tonight. Got two touchdown receptions and caught another long pass for the only first down Princeton's had in the second half. But Durham will come from the shotgun. He's got three receivers to the left. That's the open side. One receiver, Harris to the right, the close side. So the four-man front, Mason's in a very deep, two-deep zone coverage. 
Durham takes the shotgun snap, drops the throw, looks left, fires left. It's going to be caught by Foster at the 35. Can't sidestep one man, does so, and then he's going to be hogtied at the 38-yard line. They were all over him. But a nice gain of nine. A person has to go up tempo here with 2.30 to go in the clock running. Clock can stop momentarily with first downs. Princeton taking a long time to get to the line of scrimmage. And now Matthews, Jamar Matthews, not sure where he's supposed to line up. He races out to line up in a slot right. Princeton wasted a lot of time there. Here's Durham out of the shotgun. Takes the snap, deep drop. Now flushed out. He can run for the first down if he wants, and he's going to do so across the 40. Broke a guy's ankle at the 45. I'll tell you, he put a move on a defender in space, and the defender went down like he got crossed over. Kate Nevins might have heard the who went off from the fans because that was a pretty good fake left, dip right, fake left, dip right again, and he got the first down to the 46-yard, 45-yard line. Clock restarts with two minutes exactly. Underneath it now, Durham from the gun. Pump fakes it, wants to throw deep. Nobody open. Now he's flush running left, in some trouble. Now Durham goes back right, back to the 30. Sets his feet, fires over the middle, incomplete, nobody home. And then Durham got flattened back at the 28-yard line after he threw the pass incomplete, and now he is slow in getting up and not getting up, actually. Well, now they are going to help him up. That ball falls incomplete from Dorian Clock stop with a minute 48 to go. Mason leading at 35-19. Comets started the year 0-3. This will be their fifth win in the last seven games to end the season with the only losses coming 14-6 to Lakota West and 33-28 at Colerain after leading the Cardinals late a couple of weeks ago. So Mason gets in the playoffs. Probably is an eighth seed. If they're in, they'd be a pretty scary eighth seed, I would think. From the gun, Durham takes the snap, blitz off his right side, throws it to the right side, and throws it incomplete. Harris couldn't quite get out of his break yet, and Durham saw the free blitzer, Haglidge, the linebacker, coming right at him and knew he had to get rid of it and had to get rid of it here early. It'll be third and 10, Princeton, with a minute 45 to go. Princeton will finish six and four overall, four and four in the GMC, and will likely be a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, probably the latter, the seventh or eighth seed variety. They are in the playoffs. Boy, Matthews having a hard time figuring out where to line up. He just keeps looking over in frustration at the coaching staff. Trips to the left. Durham in the shotgun. Here comes the blitz. He rolls left, rolls away from the blitz. On the run, still on the run. Fires a pass that's going to be, is it caught? Nope, incomplete. They rule it near the sideline. D'Angelo Foster went down to try to get it. Couldn't scoop it up. And This will be the ball game here. Fourth and ten for Princeton. Upcoming at its own 45 with a minute 37 to go. Of all the losses this year of the four, certainly the Fairfield one. You chalk that up to Fairfield being a good team. Coleraine competed pretty well for the chunk of that game. Sycamore was just a blown lead late. This would be the most disappointing of the four, I would think. Having all the momentum of the last two wins, clinching the playoff berth last week, leading at 19-7 here tonight with the football. And have done nothing offensively since. Here's the ball game. Trips to the left, one receiver to the right. Here comes the blitz as Durham drops to throw, sets his feet, throwing deep for Burkhalter into double coverage. He's down there and it's broken up incomplete. And Mason's going to get it on downs with a minute 31 to go. Princeton does have two timeouts, but I would think down by 16 that Mike Daniels won't need to use them and won't use them. And that should do it for the football game, I would think. The Commons will take over on down first down. It said Princeton can't stop it twice more, but I'm not sure why you would with a 16-point margin. Well, 
wonder if Mike Daniels will take a couple of his seniors out there. And Henry's still out there on defense, as is Jaheim Thomas. Henry going to Ohio State. Thomas going to UC. Got a handful of other seniors out there. I don't know if he tries to take them out here and get a little bit of applause or not. Brown's going to go from under center. Has an eye formation behind him. He's going to hand it to his fullback. That's, is that Longworth who's in there at the fullback spot? No, actually, that was Jackson Orlando who lined up as a fullback with Longworth at tailback. He gets three to the 42, and Mike Daniels not going to use his timeouts, and understandably so. Orlando. He'll just have to snap it a couple of more times. Going to have to snap this one until about 35 seconds to go in the game. And actually, that would pretty much do it. They wouldn't have to run another play after this with the 40-second play clock. Down to 20. Now is Brown going to go to victory formation? It looks like he is. And he's going to go from under center to take a knee. Down to 10 on the play clock. We'll have to do this twice more, actually, the way the differential is, it looks like. Brown with five seconds. Down to four, takes the snap, does take the knee. And he'll have to do it one more time because there's a, about a six-second differential. Pass this along. Colerain did go up in the overtime, 16-10, to 10, but had the extra point block, so Fairfield will get a chance. It will probably be, unfortunately, off the air when we get a resolution to that game. And now we got a whistle. What do we got? Not sure what we got here. We got Princeton player needing to come off, it looks like. That's Jaheim Thomas. They're going to send him off. And Paris Johnson's going to come in for it. So 28 seconds to go. Well, now actually they don't even have to, yep, they don't have to run another play. Now they want it set at 25 seconds. Nope, they're going to set it at 40. They don't have to run another play. That's it. Colin Brown's going to. Go under center, but there's now, because of the injured player, they reset the play clock. There's a seven-second differential with the play clock in favor of it. One of the side judges just walked in and said, guys, you don't have to snap it again. And it looks like Mason is not. And how about the Mason Comets? They came into Princeton needing a win to have a chance to get in. They trailed it 19-7 in the second quarter. And the Princeton Vikings see Mason come in, score 28 unanswered points. And they come away with a 35-19 victory. So we will find out who the Princeton Vikings will play in the playoffs. They will make it, as we know. They clinched that berth last week. Likely now to fall to a 7 or 8 seed. Like I said, it probably doesn't matter. Either way you shake it out, you're going to either play Fairfield, Elder, St. Xavier, or Coleraine at their place. And Princeton's going to have to bring more of an A game than it brought tonight. It brought it for a small chunk. But the Princeton Vikings on senior night, 25 seniors, and on a losing note, but they still got something to do about it. They've got the playoffs upcoming. As we saw with St. Xavier a few years ago, they got in at 5-5. Five and five. You get in, and all it is is five wins, and you're a state champion. So anything can happen, and this team's certainly talented enough to do some damage, but it's got to play four quarters, and it did not do so tonight. For producer-engineer Zach Waddell, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. We'll be on the air next week about 6.40-ish. Uh, with a kickoff time at 7 o'clock, opponent to be determined. And we will certainly look forward to bringing you Princeton Vikings playoff football. The final score tonight, Mason 35, Princeton 19. This has been Princeton Vikings football from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports.